forever. Dog. Three, two, one. Okay, now what happens after that? Oh, okay, it's the show. Oh my goodness. Hey everybody, welcome to the best show here on a Tuesday night in March of 2023. How's everybody doing tonight? We have a fun, 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 fun show tonight. We got a great topic on the table. I want you to tell your stories of getting fired or quitting. Everybody's got one, unless you're still of a paper route. Same paper route. Not judging if you do. If you don't, you got a story about quitting or getting fired. 201-989-0012 is the uh the way to get in on that action. Call up and uh we got uh, maybe a surprise. Maybe a surprise. We'll see. Could be it could be a surprise. This one, if it happens, holy moly, I'm telling you, if this one happens, holy moly, that's all I'll say, holy moly. Um, we also have, for you, I know you all like world premieres of songs. Well, there's a band called Eyelids, which we all love. Our friend Chris Slicerenko is in the band. And they have a new album that comes out on Friday. And this is it. It's called A Colossal Waste of Light. Look at me. I'm like like a talk show host holding up an album. It's called A Colossal Waste of Light. And it comes out on Friday, March 10th, this Friday. And we are going to play a song from it, the world premiere of a song called They Said So, which we will hear after the theme. We will play world premiere music from Eyelids, and they're also going to be on tour. They're also going to play on the best show on April 25th. We'll talk all... Start the theme! You'll feel alright. You'll feel alright. Oh, 
Oh, welcome back to the best show here on a Tuesday night in March 2023. How's everybody doing? My name is Tom. I'm the host, Tom Sharpling. What's up, everybody? We just heard from Eyelids. album it's called the colossal waste of light it comes out on friday it's great and that song was they said so and they're gonna play the best show in late april and it's gonna be fun and you can check their music out over at music of eyelids.com if you want to find out more about eyelids and then uh yeah I got yelled at for putting these post-its on camera. Um, But you know what? Nobody tells me what to do. Watch this. Sloppy. (laughs) Nobody tells me what to do. Look at that. That's horrible looking. I'm sure it looks terrible on camera. Nobody tells me what to do. Can post this out of the thing. We got a Haskell Wexler here. No. There ain't no Haskell Wexler ain't walking through that door. <laughs> oh, I hate how that looks. That, that sucks. Um, yeah, and I don't like that either, actually. And come to think of it, that's not very good on camera, actually. I take the thing down when I say it goes down. I don't want these corporate <laughs> drones coming in saying, oh, no, a post-it that's bad for the demo. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking like this. I like everybody here. Hey, um, Andrew? Can you put the air on for a little bit, please? Sure thing, Tom. It's a little th- uh, uh, how are you, and how are you tonight? Uh, Tom, I'm doing great. Can't I like complain. That. I like that. I can't complain. You know, things are pretty okay for me. That's, pretty okay. It's great to hear. Andrew is the engineer. He holds it down. This is a top-notch guy. High character also. High character. You don't find that a lot. It's like a bleeping hornet's nest out there snake pit you don't know these people it's low character left and right sometimes i feel like it's the welcome to the jungle video and i'm getting off the bus with a piece of hay in my mouth about to get taken advantage of by these city slickers no more so it's that point in the show where I ask you, uh, well, f- you know what I want to do? Let's take care of business first. Get the business out of the way. Everybody, I want you to listen to this. Gives you all the info for what the best show is all about. Right now, it'll tell you everything that's going on in the world of the best show much more effectively than I would. So can we play that uh, clip, please, the video? 
Hey everyone, it's Jason Gore, a.k.a. Dudio. Just want to take a second to tell you about the best show, Patreon. That's your way to support the best show. And you get so much for it. You get the ad-free best show. You get Rubenesque, our deep dive into the records that uh, Rick Rubin has touched. You get so far, our deep dive into the works of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. You get Meet My Friends, The Friends. You get Ask Tom. And speaking of Ask Tom, there's a brand new episode up on the Patreon. You also get the brand new show, SNW slash Q&A. I was there for the recording of the first two episodes, and they are amazing. You're going to get those very soon. And you can get it all at the Best Show Patreon. Patreon.com slash the best show. That's right. Patreon.com slash the best show. Get everything. And, and I, I I appreciate the kind words about the Sharpling and Worcester question and answer. S and W Q and A. Um, it's one of the most, it's most fun I had doing uh, just about anything. Just talking to John and goofing around with John. Um, and uh, do we have uh, Mike? Mike, are you here, Mike? I want to pull the team together, the squad, as it were. Mike, how are hey, you? Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, Tom, what do you say? Hey, Tom, how are you doing? I thought you said, hey, Tommy, how are you doing? I was like, <laughs> nope. I was going to be that. No, is, I know uh, Tommy is not your favorite. We're not getting off the runway with Tommy. <laughs> so look, look, I like pinball. I'm dumb. But I think somebody near and dear calls you, Tommy, no? A couple of people. My my mom calls me Tommy. Yeah. And you know uh, how I knew that? How do you know that, Mike? When uh, you better not be in my mother's house right now, you <laughs> USOB. <laughs> no, when <laughs> I was doing you... the 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 Masses Tavern T-shirts. Yeah. Oh. And I... you talked to my mother at some point. Well, no, that. no, no. I would get the the boxes. You would oh. bring the boxes to Jersey City. Yeah. And a lot of times the boxes would just have Tommy written on them. That's right. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're like, so that's how it is in their family, to quote. <laughs> no, it's. No, I'm kidding. Mike, I'm just. Find kidding. it endearing. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. Pat, are you here, Pat? Pat Burns. I'm here. Pat I'm Byrne. here. This is the guy. This is, this is uh, Mr. Brooklyn, they call him. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> How are you doing tonight, Pat? I'm great. Feeling good. How you doing? Good. I'm good. I'm good. And and uh it's the three of us. Jason is is not on the line. Jason, right now? No? I think he might check in later, but I don't think he's on at this point in the show. We'll talk to Jason later. Slaw uh, Slaw Dog Dudio. All the the, the handles. Guy's got more handles than that. Uh, then uh, Jalen Brunson doesn't have as much handles as he's got. And the Knicks, how do you like the Knicks? Right, nine in a row. I don't know what happened today. I'm sure they. I'm sure they're going to lose now that I'm talking about them publicly. It's a fun team. Everybody should like it. Seeing them, they're 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 having fun. They're winning good games. I know, uh, Pat, you don't care about sports. Mike, you hate the Knicks. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I'm watching them. And mm -hmm. it, like you said, they're exciting games. Yeah. 
Um, a lot of young players. It's kind of fun to see a team that's not s- superstar driven. Like my Nets now? Well, of course, the Nets, your Nets, they really. Uh, they got wiped out. Yeah, that was uh, that was a fun experiment. <laughs> I think they played together for 16 games. It was a very few games, yes. Where, where it was James Harden and Durant oh, well, and Kyrie yeah, Irving. I think it was like a very small number. I think it was like 16 games they played together. Yikes. Um, now I'm sure you go to a Nets game and they're just like, uh, like tickets are $50. And then you go and you just say, you can't pay me anymore to come watch the game. It'll be like, fine, 70. Come on in. (laughs) But they're just scrappers now. So I kind of like watching a scrapper team. Mike, I get, I agree with you completely. I like, I like this team better than the team with all these, (laughs) these half stars. And they are half stars. Yeah. They own, you tell me what, look at this. The first of all, the best show is a team effort. I understand that. I understand that. But I ain't partnering up with every other podcast. I ain't saying like, oh man, I got to do a show with uh, Adam Carollo or Tim Dillon or any of these other people. Like, you know what I mean? No, we cast our, we cast our fates. With this lineup, win, lose, or draw. And you know what the thing is? We always win because it's the best show, baby. What's going on, guys? Anything? Anything uh, Anything uh, floating your boat? Are you enjoying the history of the world part two? Um, I haven't started it yet. Um <laughs> I, I'm calling it the, the history uh, of the world part two challenge because uh, I only only made it in, in about 11 minutes. You could only make it 11 minutes deep. Oh, yeah, it's bad. Real bad. <laughs> I would like to just say that there are probably about 17 people who regularly appear on the best show who are in that. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to say they were compensated. Mike, they were co- Mike. <laughs> you know what, Mike? You're absolutely right. <laughs> they got paid. Also, look, I didn't see it yet. Maybe it's the greatest thing that's ever been filmed. I don't know. Uh-huh. But the whole thing I would say with it is the odds are probably tilting slightly against it being the best thing I ever saw since Mel Brooks is a 99-year-old man who hasn't yeah. done anything good since 1974. Yeah. I think it may be uh, elder abuse we're seeing. This might be elder abuse. We might need to call <laughs> some sort of hotline, have him removed from the situation. Uh. <laughs> This is the funniest thing. I you I knew I Mike, you got me. You got me good on that one. Like No, look, look, I didn't see it. I will watch it. I will make my own opinion. I might I might be on here next week going, Mike, you owe everybody an apology. Okay. 
or I might be on here next week and I just won't mention History of the World Part 2. <laughs> That's fair. Um, no, hey, look, everybody likes what they like. Mike is uh-huh. Mike's idea of a comedy is Strotzek, if you remember the <laughs> Werner Herzog movie. Um that that's it's like I remember you the first one of the first conversations when Mike's just like this is a very funny movie. It's funny. He lends me the the uh the uh Netflix DVD back when they mailed and they still do, they still mail DVDs out to you. Um if you what if we just started mailing those things right like little post it's like help. I mean you know they're not taking the disc out and looking at it anymore. <laughs> right? If we just Yeah. If anybody out there has a Netflix thing, what if we start giving like an email address on a post-it saying like write to this number like like write to this email address if you get this post-it. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'll do that because I'm about to return. I have a, a DVD from 2016. I'm about to return. What movie is this? Oh, what is it? It's been in someone's queue for seven years waiting for you to finally send it back. Uh, I think it was. <laughs> what's what's the Iranian movie where the guy. Uh... Argo. <laughs> no. Where the guy's driving around and he's looking for somebody who's going to bury him. American graffiti. <laughs> Iranian graffiti. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. What is that movie? Taste of Cherry. Yes. Somebody in the chat. They nailed it. Mm-hmm. I have Taste of Cherry. I think I have a, a Bing Crosby movie. Taste of Cherry is a good movie. Yeah, it is a good movie. Okay. Um. I wanted to watch it again, and uh, mm-hmm. I haven't gotten around to it in seven years. Uh, but uh, and a couple others, yeah. I, I was on a three plan. Okay, yeah, where you, they would send you three discs, and then you yeah. would you would return one, and they'd mail you the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, somebody you're going to send that thing back, and somebody's is finally after like great news after six years, a taste of cherry is available. Mike finally returned his copy. <laughs> the one copy in New yeah, Jersey. The one copy on Earth. <laughs> um now well, I wonder what would happen. If you put a if you put a what what kind of message could you put on a post-it and stick it on the disc? <laughs> Call this number? No, I'll I'll put my email. There you go. Perfect. And and tell me, give me the date when you uh receive this DVD. Mm-hmm. This is the new give me yeah, I like it. I like it. It's like when you used to find a dollar bill and it was like there would be like a website on it where it's like follow George or something like yeah. that. Remember yeah. that? I remember yeah, that yeah. follow George thing. Um follow the, Mike. Follow <laughs> Pat. Where where are these ideas coming from, Pat? And I just want to, this is what I want to warn the audience now. I got a new policy I'm in, in, in putting into place tonight. If you call up and you suck as a caller, you know what I'm doing? I got a new thing. Now, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I ain't, uh, I ain't uh, a bad company in you necessarily. But what I am going to do 
I'm going to Percy's tune your ass. You know what that means? Fairport Convention song, Percy's tune? <laughs> yeah. That's what we play if somebody's boring. I'll, I'll Percy's tune your ass. <laughs> Let's just say, Mike, pretend you're a boring caller now because you're not. Blah, 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 blah. Keep going. Blah, blah. We'll play all of Percy's song. <laughs> Percy's song is 647. <laughs> so for the good of the audience, uh-huh. step it up. You come on and you you start snoozing up the joint. Percy's song. What we'll, what if we can do something visually as well? Uh, maybe give, uh, you know, like they've just uh, brought this 20-second rule to baseball. Yeah. Maybe, you know, you can give a warning, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that always got to step sure. it up. Yeah. Or got 20 seconds before we Percy song it. Yeah. And before I Percy song your asses. So it's, you know, so you give them a chance. Yes, you're right. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. You know what I would say, Mike? Speaking of the baseball thing, mm-hmm. I think they're on to something with that. The pitch clock. The next suggestions I would make for baseball, if they want to improve baseball and make it more exciting, consider, instead of a baseball diamond, consider like a rectangular court with two hoops on either end. And instead of baseballs, you swap them out for a larger orange ball Uh that can be dribbled. But... People can say, oh, you just want to switch it to basketball. No, 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 no. You're keeping the bats. You keep the bats. One guy gets a bat or or not the guy because hmm. yeah, we're cracking like it open. It's genderless, too. Baseball is genderless. Wrap your head around that, Michael Knowles. What a piece of garbage. Seriously. When do we when do we start loading people onto rockets and launching them right at the sun? Uh let me know when. I got a couple couple people I'd like to walk up the runway, load up the ship. But what would you think of that, Mike? It's still called baseball. Five on five, just like basketball, one person has a bat. I like it. Yeah, and and he can just, like, slam the ball with the bat. Or you hit it out of the off the court. Uh-huh. And then somebody's got to go get it. Like the way, like, when you're on the playground, it's like, Who's going to get that? Uh-huh. Somebody get that? <laughs> How many times have you seen in your life, Mike, you're on a playground court, somebody shoots a ball, misses everything, rolls somehow 400 feet away? How does it roll that fast? Yeah. The way the ball gets away from the court is astounding. <laughs> I'll go get it. I'll get it. When I was a kid, we tried to invent a sport called Tanaki. Okay. And, and we would play this in a friend's garage. Mm-hmm. So we had two uh, street hockey nets in this tiny space. The garage wasn't big. Mm-hmm. But uh, instead of using hockey sticks and running around, we were, you know, like on our knees with tennis rackets. <laughs> 
You're so on. So you got a lot of action on the ball, bouncing around off the walls and stuff. Uh, Tanaki. Tanaki, yeah. I might regret this. How much would it cost for a uh, Tanaki franchise? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, pickleball's out there. It might be. Might be ripe for Tanaki pickleball. now. I don't know what's going on with these people with pickle. Everybody's pretending they knew what pickleball was. <laughs> oh, pickleball, of course. They found out four days before you found out. If yeah. you're like, what's pickleball? Oh, yeah. you don't know what pickleball is? They don't know either. They just learned about it. Oh, my God, I love pickleball. I don't even know what pickleball is. I know there's pickleball enthusiasts. <laughs> Maybe there's a pickleball scene in History of the World Part 2. <laughs> Get Mel Brooks out there playing pickleball. I think I think it's tennis for old people who can't mm -hmm. move very fast. Okay. Maybe I got to start getting into this pickleball. I think you're thinking of badminton, Mike. Uh, badminton, you know, yeah, that can go pretty fast. You can sort of slam badminton. one of those. Slower than pickleball, I would say, because pickleball. I don't know. We played it in gym class. That's really? Yeah. That's wow. all I remember about pickleball. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's going back twenty years. But yeah. I mean, it's it's used in every commercial on TV now, mm -hmm. and from what I see, it doesn't seem like a very fast moving uh, activity. Mm -hmm. Look, it all sounds like it sucks to me. It just sounds like a <laughs> it sounds like a, a suck sandwich anyway. You cut it. Um, so. Do we have any calls? Do we have any calls? 201-989-0012 is the number. We want to talk about people getting fired and people quitting, stories of getting fired or stories of you quitting a job. I'm looking. It looks like uh, – do I have to hit refresh on this maybe? Yes, try, to do, try and refresh if you can. Ooh, I'm going to hit refresh. Oh, look at that. There's a the calls, the, the landslide. Stevie Nicks ain't seen no landslide the way this is a landslide. Pat, Mike, I will talk to you later. Thank you so much for all of the uh, excitement. Thanks, Tom. Hello, Best Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. To whom am I speaking? Hi, this is Mary from Lansdale. Mary from Lansdale. This is one of my favorite people. Mary does a podcast ah, called, called Mary versus the Movies. It's very popular. Everybody loves listening to you see movies you ain't never seen before. People love it. How are you tonight, Mary? It's, oh, I'm very good. And uh, in fact, we are, this is, this is, believe it or not, I do have actually a reason for calling. I do have a pretty weird firing story. but A, a story of getting fired or is, quitting? Boy, I, I've got plenty of both, but I have one specific getting fired story. Okay. So, um, but before that, I just want to say, because you brought up the podcast, this week is the two-year anniversary of us starting. So I'm pretty proud of that. It's amazing. 
Congratulations. Thank you. You done did it, Mary. Yeah. Two years. How's it feel? It's, it's not bad. No, it's not bad. You, you know, best show <laughs> run, of course. I mean, but well, but, not yet. But what is? What is? Look, odds are, <laughs> odds are, I'm in a casket by uh, Arbor Day, so you'll have a clear path to racking up the episode uh, well, count. The, <laughs> never. Well, never. Never. Well, that's weird. That would be weird. Even weirder. What's weirder, me well, saying no, I'm going to a... me? What's weirder, me saying I'm going to croak <laughs> this year, or you saying I'm never going to? I, you might end up one of those transhumanists, you know, downloaded into a computer. You'd be like that AI Seinfeld that was on Twitch. I don't want to. I don't want to be on no computer. <laughs> when I'm out, I'm out. No. No. What I'm. What, what am I going to do? Hello, everyone. It is me, Tom. Or it'll be like some weird like version of my voice will be like, hello and welcome to the best show. And I hope everybody's having a great time with the show tonight. I wonder what topic we should put on the table for the callers to call in about. Where it's just like, oh, this is slightly off. <laughs> What's the story, Mary? I, I want to hear this story. That's what I want to hear. All right. When I was in high school, I worked at a national sandwich chain okay. that I will not name. And uh, it was one of these things where I would work, you know, uh, like the dinner rush to, you know, we would close like nine o'clock at night. And I would, you know, I would usually be working by myself, but, you know, I, you would, it would usually just be by myself. But there were other people if I was working during the day, you know, I would know them. So, you know, I got to, got, I got to know my, my coworkers. Um, but then I would usually be the one closing up the store at night. Mm-hmm. And I all I can think about is that you won't different... name what chain it is. All I can think <laughs> about. Can I? If you well, don't have to just, respond, yeah. Quiznos. Go for it. Subway. Any of these ring a bell? What color what color apron were you wearing at this job, Mary? Um green. We'll uh, say green. Forest green. Oh, tells the story. Mm-hmm. Say no more. Yeah. Say no more. Now you um okay, so go pick up the story up again. I'm sorry. I just needed to say that. No, that's all right. Um so I, I worked with two different witches. And one witch was just like, you know, a normal, you know, run of the mill Wiccan. She was very cool. She Mm -hmm. like got me into tarot cards and she was great. The other witch was, we'll say like a freelance, like black magic user. Sure. But, (laughs) but she would buy me beer if I, after work would pick her up at the bar and drive her home. Mm Mm-hmm. So I thought, hey, this isn't a bad deal for me because I'm 17. Sure. And where and was this so, taking place? This was Pennsylvania? Yes. This is the most Pennsylvania story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it really is, actually. You might as well. <laughs> you might as well be uh you might as well be Mike Schmidt telling this story and you wouldn't it would be less Pennsylvania than what you're telling me right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> You'd be the well. So this this woman I worked with, yeah. Um, you know, she would she would call like eh, about half an hour before I'd close up the shop, and she'd be like, "Mary, you gotta come pick me up." I say, "All right, okay, D." So I'd go, I'd pick her up, and she'd come out with a six pack of beer and give it to me, and I'd take it, and I'd drop her off, and. And I drop off at her like a she, she lives in like a one of those motel situations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And finally, one day, you know, I've been having trouble with you know the boss, like the the guy who owned this franchise, like my paychecks would sometimes bounce, so it was all kind of shaky there. Mm-hmm. But one time, she calls me up. She calls me up on uh, and says, "Hey, I need you know I need you to pick me up." I said, "All right, all right, Dave." And I come down to the bar and I go in and with her is her ex-husband, this guy, Frank. Wow. And Frank pulls me into a corner of the bar. Now keep in mind, I'm 17 years old. I shouldn't even be in there, but no. I was obviously not carted. <laughs> yeah. Cause this is just like a roadhouse in like what was then still kind of rural Pennsylvania. Yes. Yeah. 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 They, they look corners me. Back there, it's just back when you're there, it's just like, just be cool, all right? Exactly. That's all they want, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's just like, you know, if you're not going to make a scene, nobody notices you're even there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But exactly. Frank pulls me into a corner. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you're not going to be obnoxious, nobody notices how old you are. I mean, you know, I've got plenty of stories about that too, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> She, so, so Frank pulls me in this corner mm-hmm. and he's like, look, I know you're having trouble. Do you want us to put a spell on your boss? And I'm looking, I'm like, no, no, Frank, I really, you don't, you don't have to do that. No, no, no. It's fine. I will. It's, it's okay. We like you. Well, thanks, Frank. That's great. Do some black can, magic. Can I just drive you got you some home? black magic going on. Yeah. Here. Oh yeah, exactly. Cause, and he's just like, you understand I'm a, I'm a very powerful warlock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you, man. <laughs> you can, under, you understand I'm a very powerful warlock. Yeah. That I would, <laughs> look, that's, I'll say this. I am messing with this black magic. You keep me away from that stuff. Cauldrons. <laughs> toil. Trouble. I want nothing to do with any of that business. Newts, eyes, all of it. It's bad news, Jack. Um. So, so he's so he, I'm a warlock. Mm-hmm. So, what did you and say? And eventually, to that? I convinced. Well, I said, Frank, I really appreciate it. That's great, but I really should be getting you and D home. Mm-hmm. And I keep saying, look, I, I have school in the morning because, again, I'm I'm 17. I've got I've got high school in the morning. Yeah, you're Frank, 17. Please, let me just take you home. <laughs> yeah, like I definitely Kip, should like, not be there. Mary, like Kip Winger said. She's only 17. Right. Remember oh, that song? No. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. OK, so you. <laughs> You, so you say I got to get home. I'm 17. I got to get out of the sub, the, out of this bar, the roadhouse. Yep. Then what? So where, I where finally we... get D and Frank. Mm-hmm. I get D and Frank to get into my car. I said, "Look, just let me take you back home." And, yeah. You know, call it a night. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess you want that beer. You also want that beer, right? Oh, I did. I really did. I was just like, can we just get the beer and go, man? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, uh, we I got that beer, that. right? You're like making sure that beer is there. Like, yeah, let's hit the road. And uh, <laughs> we got the beer. Okay, right? We, somebody got the beer? Okay, so. Exactly. So you load them the into the car. Basic. I mean, this is just Budweiser, you know, bargain. This is like the cheapest beer they had. Was, yeah. You know. Well, but you're a kid. Get them in the know. car. You're a kid. Exactly. What are you supposed to be drinking? I don't something? know what. I don't know what. You're drinking garbage. Absolutely. The most headache-inducing garbage you can find. Absolutely. So. So. You're in the car. <laughs> you're driving them home. D and, and get, Frank. Yep. And they're still offering to put spells on my boss. And I'm like, no, please don't do that. Yeah. And I get to the apartment and they're like, hey, why don't you bring that beer in with you? We'll keep partying. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, no. No, (laughs) Oh, no. no. This is how you become a statistic. Yeah. No, this is bad. (laughs) Keep partying. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So what happened? Well, what happens is. I finally get them out of the car. I'm like, look, I have an exam in the morning. I can't. I got to go. Please, please. And I finally, like, kind of just get them out of the car. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, I will see. I'll see D. I'll see you tomorrow when I come in and work. Don't worry about it. The next day mm-hmm. in the morning. But no, it wasn't in the morning because I was in school. So it must have been, like, whenever I got home from school, my parents say, uh, you, you might be fired. I said, why? Well, when... My boss came in the next day. This woman had the the the, sh- the next shift, mm-hmm. and she reported that all of the petty cash was missing. Uh oh. And obviously, since I was the one who had locked up the night before, yeah. well, who else would have taken it? Mm-hmm. So because I didn't go in with them that night or let them put a hex on my boss, mm-hmm. they stole all the petty cash and blamed it on me and blamed it on you. Yeah. Oh, Mary. Mary. It was a frame job. Yeah. What um I was framed because I didn't want to engage in black magic. Yeah. You did you you refused to to uh to consider the dark arts. At the very least. I feel like that may have been like the least problematic thing that could have happened to me that night, actually. <laughs> well, I'll look, I'm first of all. If you had said, yeah, come on in, let's party, we would not be having this conversation right now. That no, would have been, no. that would have changed the entire path of your life. If you said, yeah, let's go party. Sure. Bring that beer. And first of all, how much beer was it for three people? We each get two, two beers each. Was it a six pack? <laughs> exactly. 12 pack? You tell me Frank it was, was only a six pack. you tell me Frank was going to be happy partying with just two beers? Frank wouldn't be happy with six beers. If you took all six from the sixer, <laughs> that's not enough. That ain't enough. Not even close. Not even close. Mary, I'm glad you played it the way you and played it. And I certainly it. wasn't. Yeah. I'm sorry you got fired. Thank you. That's unfair. You know, of, of all the things that could have happened, you know what? Getting fired from working at National Sub. Uh, there, you know, what? I just said it. Subways. There you go. See, yep. What? 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 What, what are you? What are you protecting door. here? What are you? Who are you protecting <laughs> with that? 
Oh, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't know. Oh, I don't want to rock the boat. You what? You don't want D and Frank coming after you? <laughs> I don't. You know, I really doubt they're still alive. The way things are going. Uh, <laughs> I think you got to get D and Frank on your podcast. Oh man, Mary versus the movies. That boy. What now? What movie? What what movie from the eighties would they be into? I I guess Warlock. Be into Warlock, Hocus Pocus. Um, yeah. Black Cauldron. All sorts of movies. Motel Hell. Motel Hell. Um, what are you looking forward to? You got an Oscar uh, favorite, Mary, before I say goodbye? Ah, yeah, let me think. Um, you know what? I really I really enjoyed Banshees of Inisherin. Mm. I thought I thought it was very funny, but you know, <laughs> uh, my mother was like horrified that I thought it was a, it was a comedy. So uh, it is hard when those yeah, things. I like that. Yeah, you like you like you like that. Did you see? Uh... I know you saw Elvis. I know you saw Elvis. Loved Elvis. Yes, Top Gun. Enjoyed everything, everywhere, all at once. How about Top Gun? Uh, liked Tar. Top, Top Gun. Gun was a blast. Where we had on Top Gun. Okay, I, didn't I, see that. I really enjoyed Top Gun. My mom won't let me it's, see it. She thinks it'll ramp me up it. too much. She thinks I'll just get, I'll be bouncing off the walls after I see it. I'm going to sneak out though. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I'm going to sneak out. Oh no, she Try listens. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Wouldn't do that, mommy. Um, Mary, thank you for the call. Have a good night, Tom. You have a grand evening. I wish you all the greatness that you are entitled to in your life forever. Thank you, Tom. You too. Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new Office Hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel. And Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here, too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash officehourslive. Who are the animals? Because I don't smell them. All right, let's get back to the action. Hot phones, hot phones, busy, busy, busy phones. Here we go. Hello, best show. How's it going, Tom? It's Teeny Ken in Northbridge. Teeny Ken. Yes. How are you tonight, Teeny Ken? It's, I hear you said you said my name. It's a weird name. I know. I know. It's a little, a little bit of a, a little bit of a curveball. Yeah. It is. Um. It's well. I can't say I love the nickname, but you know, it, it's weird because I, I'm above average height and build and and my name isn't even ken it's matt okay yeah so how teeny ken is a whole other thing then i'm assuming yeah yeah um (laughs) it's so stupid when i was seven my friend's dad saw me playing with a miniature ken doll you know barbie and ken they made like these tiny ones miniature versions and and I, he saw me playing with one once, and he started calling me Teeny Ken. And, and unfortunately, that name 
pretty much stuck for the rest of my life. From that from that moment, you never yeah. shook it. No, no. And and so fast forward, you know, like age 20 or something, 22, I'm just getting out of college and and trying to meet ladies with a name like Teeny Ken. Yeah, it was probably not not no, was, not no. helping the cause. No, it's like uh Imagine having to explain to someone that it, it, your nickname is not about the size of your pant rocket. It's because you play with dolls. Yeah, you're, you're like, no, 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 wait, 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 no, no, it's not, it's not that, it's this. And they're yeah. just like, that ain't much better. Oh, boy. All right. So, yeah. So, anyway, that's. But, but can I just ask you one question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. When you were in your 20s. Yeah. Why not just make the switch? To what? Matt. It was too late. I I don't know if I exactly understand how it would be too late, but it was just it was just too entrenched in in everyone's psyche at that point. Oh that that that's teeny Ken. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just thought, all right, I'll just I'll I'll go with it. Okay. So um but seriously, enough about about that. Um mm-hmm. Were you following this Alex Murdaugh trial that was big news that just ended the other day? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Now, is is it Murdaugh or or Murdoch? That Murdaugh. I am not a hundred percent clear on. It's D A U G H, right? Isn't the like? Yeah, I think that's Murdaugh. I would say I would think so. Let's do that. Okay, so anyway, these. These Murdaws, they're they're like, you know, they're super preppy, uh, you know, super rich family members. And these guys are like hardcore South Carolina khaki warriors. Okay. Really heavy stuff. And and to top it off, and I don't mean this d- disparagingly, it's just I just think it's incredible. Ronald McDonald level level red hair. It's like shocking. Wow. Uh, that's I did not I did not clock that. I don't know if you ever saw this video. It was by a, a rock band called the New Pornographers and the the uh, the actor in it who played the main guy's very uh very talented cat. Uh, I haven't seen him in, in much since then, but mm-hmm. he wears this bright red wig and, yes. and it's it's not even it's not even as red as, as the Murdoch uh, hair color. That so that is just muted compared to their actual it's like matte finish. Sure. M-A-T-T-E. Yeah. Um, yeah, that video. I'm not sure what that kid's name was. Um, I don't know. I think it might have been like Ivan or something. That sounds right. I was going to say Ivan or Ivor. Yeah, the actor. Uh, we should look him up. Let's see what yeah, the deal yeah, is. He, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but so so Alex, the you know the head of this family, he, he's got one of those really, it's almost like a caricature of like a Southern voice. Uh, I'll say, uh, uh, I'll say, I would never, never do anything like that to hoit my, my, my boy. Mm-hmm. He was almost like Colonel Jessup from, what was that restaurant? Colonel Jessup salad plantation. Yes. That's kind of like that. It was always a troubling experience eating there. What, what happened to you when you went there? Cause I, I, I had something weird happen. Um, I just didn't want sweet tea. 
Right. And yeah. Yeah. Everything was sweet. It's like, and like usually they bring water out at the beginning of a of a at a restaurant. They bring you glasses of water. They bring sweet tea out instead. Like I could not get just water. Right. And I just ended up. It made my like my teeth hurt. Right. Yeah. I can't yeah, handle like, that much sugar. No, you need water. You know, like wa- walking in there was like, you know, the entire uh, career run of Columbo. There's no water at all. No one's drinking water. It's all. It's all like. Uh, it's all sweet tea, or in the case of Columbo, it was all whiskey. Everybody always had whiskey on Columbo. No water. Everyone was deeply, deeply dehydrated. They must have been that. That actually is probably. Um... I wonder if that helped Columbo with the case at all, that they were just off their game because they were a little dehydrated. Could be. Could be. I think he had secret water in that trench coat. So he was hydrated is what you're saying. I think he was. Yeah. I think he had a hose that went up uh, one mm-hmm. of the sleeves of, of the trench coat. So he would just go, uh, excuse me, miss. And then like put his yeah. sleeve up to his mouth. Yes. And and a lot of this, of the cigars were uh, filled with water. Okay. Look, that's that's an interesting theory. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, so anyway, so so I don't know if you if you're going to watch any of these shows, but there there are a couple documentaries about the Murdoch case on uh, on Netflix and you lose. Wait, it's, it's on the what? Uh, Netflix. Debt Netflix. That's what I call. That's what I call Netflix. Yeah. Oh. And, okay. And, and you lose is, is Hulu. And what? Where does that come from? Well, I, I think they both charge too much for a monthly. Uh, oh, you know, I see what you're saying. Membership. This is, this is like you yeah. zinging. Exactly. Yeah, it's a total zinger. Yeah, that's. It's basically why I use other people's passwords for everything. That's why you use somebody else's Netflix password or Hulu. All kinds. Pa- of, yeah. Password. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wells Fargo, uh, well, Time Warner. Those, that's a bank. Of... Wells Fargo is a mm-hmm. a bank. I like that one is not. That one seems a little more private. Well, they don't know yet. <laughs> they don't know. Okay. Right. Well, I yeah. don't like that, right. but I know. that's not cool. <laughs> right. But look, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but there are so many wild twists and turns in this Murdoch story. It's exactly like Stripes. You know, it's it's three movies in one. Yes, because Stripes really is. Stripes is. It starts as like a lovable loser. Dirt. Uh, I call it, I call the first part dirt bags. Dirt bags. It's like chapter one. Dirt bags. Exactly. And then chapter two is. I call that basic training and graduation. Sure. Just watching uh, Bill Murray's character kind of get up to speed and then and become a a military uh, person to where he's literally running the uh, Mm -hmm. the march thing where it's just like razzle dazzle and all that stuff. Blown Um, up. Then the third part of the movie is this a straight action movie yes i call that welcome to italy so you are a huge stripes fan it seems i am yeah yes. i named uh um several of, of my dogs after after characters I, uh sergeant holka um uh 
One was named Lufa after that great line. Um, I, oh my God, I wish I was a Lufa. Mm-hmm. John, John Larroquette. Sure. You no, know, John Larroquette sm- broke his nose uh, during the filming of that. Oh, so you got a little stripes trivia for us. I do. You know, the scene where, where he goes in to look at the, uh, uh, whatever the name of the, the E, what's it called? The EM 500 or something. The name of the, 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 of, yeah. of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. He go, he goes in, in to see it, you know, and it's gone. Okay. And, and, and he's with that kind of, you know, the woman who he's with, who's his date for the night. And, and first take, Broken. he comes storming out of that door. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Okay. Direct, director wants a second take. Somehow that door gets locked, storms into it, and breaks his nose. Amazing. It's true. I, I believe it. I believe you. Well, thank you. Well, so I, I, I bring all this up because mm-hmm. as as I was watching, you know, the the Alex Murdoch documentaries, I couldn't help thinking about the Whiting family and all that drama. Mm-hmm. That's the, uh, you don't remember this? Yeah. Yeah. No, it rings a bell. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I just don't really remember who uh, they uh, okay. are exactly though. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll refresh your memory. It, it, it was the biggest story in Newbridge for a solid year back in the late eighties. And, and as a matter of fact, the first shout network documentary series was on the whitings. Okay. Yeah, it was called Muffled Screams. Kind of rings a bell. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the the patriarch of, of the Whiting family, um, Reginald Y. Whiting, he was the founder of the Muffler Czar Superstore that's right in the heart of Muffler Row. Mm-hmm. And of course, <laughs> with a name like that, Reginald, you know, he he just had to be a real ass hammer, right? Sound you you would you would suppose bringing they bring that to the table a little bit of a jerky tood. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's he, he was a real he was a flagrant cock knocker. Okay. That's... Yeah, full on yank wanker. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. All right. So anyway, the um. The Whiting family consisted of the aforementioned Reginald, uh, who else? His wife, Deirdre, and their three sons, Thaddeus, Theodore, and Trip Whiting. That name rings a bell, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he got, uh, yeah, Trip gets around. Uh, But anyway, they were rolling in in muffler dough, just printing money. Mm -hmm. You remember those great mufflers are radio ads? Remember the jingle? The mother. Yeah. How did that go? Oh, man. They were sung by Reginald himself, which was really interesting. And he had this really deep, scratchy voice from all the Pall Malls that he ate. That he, so he smoked Pall Malls. No, he was so hardcore. He, he didn't smoke them. He, he, he'd light them, but then he'd eat them. He'd he'd just eat the cigarette. Yeah. A lit cigarette. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's brutal. It's harsh. Yeah. So, and this guy was only 55, but he, he sounded and carried himself like he was at least 108. (laughs) At least. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's on the young side is a 108. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And, and he, (laughs) he, he, 
he'd make a big deal about how he only ate one meal a day. Mm-hmm. But he never said that that meal consisted of, of 18 courses. Yeah, that's kind of that's playing with fast and loose with the with the facts. Yeah, he, he, he'd he eat from I think it was noon until 5 p.m. Yeah, that's a lot of eating. That's yeah, he, more he, than he, enough he, he for was, a day. Oh, yeah. He, he, he was described as as like uh, Mr. Creosote, but a little bit thinner. OK, well, that's. Yeah. Yeah, well, I just I, I would you know worry about health and sure. you know, but yeah. but it's also sometimes people say, oh, I'm on a thing and I eat eat you know only one one meal a day, and then you're just like, I think that might be too much. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, how, yeah. How many trips to the soft serve are you making? Yeah. Um, so so any anyway, the jingle uh, it, it 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 was something like this. It was like. Uh, it was like had that kind of peppy Your car is squealing. It needs some healing. So push it on down to mufflers are. Mufflers are. It's where the mufflers are. That yes, yes. Wow, it's all rushing back to me now. Yeah. Pretty it was it was a weird kind of kind of sound. And but and it's interesting because it turns out old Reginald had this very weird competition going with Tom Carvel, the, the, the CEO of Carvel ice cream, the Carvel ice cream guy who did the ads for that. And, and his voice was, his voice was like super scratchy. He was like, we got cookie puss. Yeah. Cookie puss. Yeah. So, so there was a little bit of a, a rivalry there. Or is that what you're saying? <laughs> Oh, yeah. And they would try to see whose voice could sound the least conducive to selling a product. Uh, wow. Uh-huh. They would eat gravel and sand before going in to record their voiceovers. Mm-hmm. They even flew Tom Waits in to give them sandpaper voice tips. To yeah. in, to show them how to get rougher with their voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what kind of advice you could give for that. Oh, he he would tell them to eat sandpaper. Okay, is that what he yeah. did? Uh, no, he thought it'd be funny if he could get them to do it, though. <laughs> oh no, that is that's well, that's not great. Uh, you know, I wish there there somebody someday would put out a, a compilation of his best stuff called "Tom Waits for No One." I think that'd be very clever. Yeah, that would be. Uh, that might be a little less. Um, Subtle than you might be thinking. Oh, you think it's too obvious? Okay. Perhaps. Okay. All right. Well, look, uh, so along with Gus Brennan's Muffler Palace and the Muffler Maniac, uh-huh. Muffler Czar was, ju- was selling the most mufflers of all of the 132 shops on Muffler Row. Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot of muffler that's stores a for a two-block area. That's a lot of muffler stores for a two-block. I don't know uh, how you could need that many mufflers. I don't know. I don't know, but they they do big business. But so uh, uh, they're doing big business. But underneath the surface, Tom, mm-hmm. things were not what they seemed. How so? Well, things were about to get crazy, and I'll tell you. The Whiting story has more twists and turns than a John Grissel novel. Than a what? 
John Grissel. Uh, who? Uh, John, um, I, I, I think you, you probably mean John Grisham. Who? The author, John Grisham. Oh, no, no, no. John Grissel. He, he's the guy who wrote all those legal horror novels that Trent L. Strauss turned into cinema gold. Oh, okay. So there's a there's two different people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've probably seen some of those movies. Uh, God, uh, off the top of my head, the lacerated lawyer, uh, the stenographer wore concrete shoes, motion to exsanguinate, and, and of course the big biggest one was um, Hades corpses, which is a, a play on ha- habeas corpus. Corpus, yes, that's a legal yeah. legal term, yeah. of course. Yeah. So really, as so that was just like more more than one of his books. Yes, yes, super crazy. So the way this uh, a, a lot of people say this whole drama started was when Reginald decided to break ground on a new Mufflerzar store in Norsebridge. Norsebridge, wow. Yes, interesting. Yeah, out there, and yeah. so. People were up in arms because it was on the site of what was reported to be an ancient Viking burial ground that was also hit by lightning, which is like the double whammy you don't want. No, no. Burial ground. No, thanks. Nope. Burial ground getting hit by lightning. Definite double. No, thanks. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. But but what made matters worse? Uh huh. Reginald farted during the ceremony, and that was that's a huge no no. Yeah, that I would, and yeah, I could see that it was bad. And the Norse people took flagrant offense to that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was that was not good. And so, uh, all right, so the, the eldest Whiting son, Thad Whiting, mm-hmm. he wasn't like his 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 two brothers, Trip and Theodore. Those guys were just like Reginald. They they were just counting the days until they descend to upper level management at Mufflerzar. Okay. Thad didn't want any part of the Mufflerzar dynasty. He wanted to be a rock star. Okay, so he had a whole other goal in life. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and he was doing it. He was the singer in this really good band back then called Wet Cherry. Wet Cherry. Yeah. And and keep in mind, I'm talking about the original Wet Cherry, not the other Wet Cherries who basically stole the name and delivered subpar, barely erotic hair metal to all those Heshers and Los Amigos back room. These were the real guys. This is the real deal. Yeah, yeah. The real Wet and these Cherry. Guys, <laughs> these guys were hair metal to the max. And, and I, I think there's only one quote in, um, what's that that oral history that came out like a year ago or two? About hair metal. What's it called? Nothing but a good time. Yeah, I loved it. Me too. But there's only one mention of, of Wet Cherry in this thing. And and the quote is, I can't remember who said it, but but he said, they made Poison look like Gigi Allen and the Texas Nazis. That's definitely painting a picture. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this, this cat pranced hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, he pranced. So as you can imagine, Reginald, you know, he's an uptight preppy guy. He's not at all into his eldest son wearing a G string made from a hot pink bandana, you know, singing songs like daddy likes humping all night, 
my pants are getting a lot tighter since you walked in the room. He just wasn't into that at all. Sure. It's a much more uh, proper yes. background. Yeah. So Reginald, he, he he's a man's man, and he couldn't deal with Thad disgracing the family name. So what does Reginald do? He hires this Colonelino crime family associate named oh. Chucky Eight Hats to mm-hmm. really pound some sense into Thad. Chucky Eight Hats. Yes. Yeah. What would the, I'm assuming he had eight hats. Well, that's the thing. It it, it 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 there there are two explanations for this name. No one could really agree on what it was. He he did wear eight hats, like he'd wear eight hats into a club, but then they'd be gone, and people were wondering if it wasn't E I G H T, if it was E A T. Like, did he eat them? Did he eat A A T E? Sorry, A T E. I was gonna say yeah. Eight yeah. Like, is not E A T. That's no eat. Chucky ate hats. Yeah. Wild. That's that's a pretty crazy, yeah, right? That's 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 a weird one. Well, the mob guys don't get any credit for being original or or, or, or creative, but I think that's that's an example of of them really shining in that department. Mm-hmm. The nicknames, you know? Yeah, like yeah, like uh, like um, Tommy's mother in in Goodfellas. She she's she's a good painter, mm-hmm. you know. And then he of course says, "I love you, Ma. I want to be with you." Yeah. Love that line. Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah. So anyway, Chucky lures Thad to the back of a footlocker glam with the promise of selling him some stage-worn leotards and capizios that quote fell off enough's enough's equipment truck. Okay. I'm I'm right? with you. This is an exciting oh. tale. Speaking of, I heard that the Foot Locker Glam uh, in Newbridge Commons just got a shipment of those Air Ronsons everyone's dying to get their hands on. The, wow, so, yeah. that's very just cool. Just FYI. Okay. FYI. That, that, I might have to line up for those. I'll, I'll see you there then. <laughs> yeah. Because it'll be a race uh, to the front. Oh my God, yeah. So, Chucky Eight Hats does the the job, but he, get, he got carried away. And he ended up accidentally killing Thad. Oh, no. Right? Very hard. Yeah, harsh. So harsh. But, and they never found the body. And it's assumed that Chucky dumped it into River Ridge River and it was eaten by those terrifying rabid scrod who inhabit it. Have you ever heard about these things? Have I? Yes. Oh, my God. They'll bite your, all your toes off in like a second. Yeah. Sick. No. The meanest scrod on the planet. Yeah, it's like they, they go out of their way to be mean. Yeah, and they get people because everybody's like, oh, it's Scrod. Yeah. How bad, how bad could it be? Look at the cute Scrod, everybody. Yeah. Oh, no, where where's Dad's arm? Now I can't stand right anymore. My toes are gone. Yeah, my exactly, because of these Scrod. Yeah. So, yeah, so th- that happens, and Reginald, being who he is, he, ha- he, has, um, he has the money and the connections to have it all covered up no one knows anything about this and and those who those who did know they didn't say anything because they knew what would happen if if they if they did say anything you know Mm -hmm. really bad stuff and i i gotta say it was among the muffler shop underworld it was real grease-stained shit okay okay yeah no that really that 
this mob culture, I tell you, these stories get weirder and weirder. I think when I think yep. I've heard the weirdest one, then there's a weirder one to come. I know. It's awful. It's awful. So Chucky realizes that Reginald can become the gift that keeps on giving. And, and he begins this multi-year extortion of Reginald, threatening to tell everybody everything mm-hmm. you know, if he doesn't keep paying him. Okay. So at this point, the muffler czar sales are really starting to tank because Reginald is now embezzling all this money from muffler czar to pay for the lavish lifestyle his side piece, Sheila Larson, has become accustomed to. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're right there, uh, team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I tell you, when I did that voice earlier, it really... Really messed you up, huh? Oh, my God. I don't know how those guys do it. I, these voice guys are something else. I don't know how they how they do those voices. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. So, like I said, Sheila Larson, you know, she 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 liked the rich side of life, and and the story goes that she would only eat off plates that were made from genuine Fort Knox gold bars. I had heard the fan right? the fancy life. It is when you get hooked, you 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 know you you keep wanting more and more. I know. Yeah. And, and then after she would eat, she would smash the gold plates on the floor and say, I don't need any of you filthy trash peasants at, at the dinner staff. Mm-hmm. Very cruel. That's Very cruel. Mean. That's not unnecessary. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So eventually enough of this stuff is happening that it comes on the radar of the Newbridge FBI field office. So okay. it's getting it's getting hot now. Heating up, all right. Heating up, yeah. So then after they bug Reginald's phones, they find out that he's been juggling eight different scams to raise the extortion money that he needed to continuously pay Chucky off. Okay. So, 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 so Reginald was juggling uh, like a bunch of scams all at once. No, Tom. He was pulling off a very intricate juggling scam that was taught to him uh, by Gallagher. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That yeah, I, that really... was that was over the line. Yeah, there's no need. I'm trying to. I'm so... I'm yeah, sorry. that that hurt my feelings a little bit. Well, I, I apologize. I, I don't even know where that came from, and I, I have to say, I, I'm usually not a total coin-operated bitch like that. But I, I've been on antihistamines all week, and. Mm-hmm. It's really made me into a into a, a real crankshaft operator. You really turn into a real crankshaft operator, really. Yeah, and yeah. I saw it. So, I saw. I got a glimpse uh, of it there. Apologies, apologies. Yeah, so apologies. <laughs> it's, fun- <laughs> it's funny that that reminds me of, of of the moment during the Reginald Whiting embezzlement trial when Chucky, who who had some pretty substantial struggles with street drugs like blue and vanilla fireman and burned out canoe uh, he turns to the judge and, and he says well <laughs> first things first chucky thought you were supposed to call the judge your horror not your honor a huge miscalculation on that really one. really like a weird one too right yes, yes your horror yes your horror said it five times mm-hmm. so he, he says to the he says to the judge, Judge, have you ever been so high that you thought you could eat the music coming out of the radio? Because that's pretty much my baseline. Wow. It's kind of a weird thing to say to a judge, right? Yeah. And to be, first of all, you're saying you're horror, and then you're saying something like that? Yeah. 
un- shocking. Yeah, very weird. But you know, it's interesting. All so all this terrible stuff's happening, and the irony is that Reginald had the remedy for all of his financial problems right in his lap the whole time, and he blew it. Really? How how so? Yeah. Well, as the trial went along, Martin Scorsese finds out about Reginald and the embezzlement and Thad's disappearance and all this stuff. And he wants to buy the rights to the story and make a movie out of it. Just like, you know, he bought the, he bought the, uh, 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 Pelegi book, uh, what was it called? Wise guy that he yeah. turned into Goodfellas. That became Goodfellas. Yeah. Yeah. So I, there's a lot of money in that if it, if it happens. Very lucrative. Yeah, so all this is wrapping, it's, it's happening right when Goodfellas is wrapping up, you know, so it's, you know, like, Bobby and Ray Ray, they, they're they all into this Whiting story, they all find out about it, and it's very cool, and uh, De Niro loved the story, and he was begging Scorsese to cast him as Reginald when this movie happens, and so you know, if this happens, it's it's the answer to all R- Reggie's problems. You know, it's a huge payday. So one day Scorsese picks up the phone and calls Reginald. Okay. And Tom, you know all those stories that you always hear musicians and actors tell where they they get what will eventually turn out to be a life-changing phone call from someone really famous, but they assume it's a friend pranking them and mm-hmm. they, they, they end up, up hanging up on yeah, them. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a story as old as time, right? Yes. You always hear just like, I, then somebody called and they're like, Hey, it's me, uh, Steven Spielberg. And I was, uh, I stopped joking around and I hung up. Yeah. And then, yeah. Right. And then eventually, then the famous person keeps calling and the normal person eventually realizes it really is the famous yeah, person and yeah. their life changes, you know, the, the, the life changes overnight. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened with Scorsese and Reginald, except for the, and the normal person eventually realizes it really is the famous person part. He didn't realize. Marty called him six or seven times and Reginald hung up every time. Oh, that's just, un- that's so unfortunate. Right? He he was certain it was his cousin Hank making the calls, even though Hank was in the room with him for two of those calls. Oh, God. That's just heartbreaking. Right? Yeah. They never connected, and the movie idea never went anywhere because he wasn't involved in it. And, you know, I'm sure Reginald could have parlayed that story into millions and his, all his problems would be would be over. So while this is all happening, Reginald masterminds this bank robbery using Chucky and a bunch of shady guys from Crime Bridge. Mm-hmm. Oh, bad news. I do not news. want to go there. Bad news. Super bad news. Oh, my God. Um, I, I, I set one foot there once. Mm-hmm. Just one foot. Yeah. I got my shoe stolen. <laughs> it's one more foot than i'll set right yeah so anyway so this bank heist was terribly wrong like it just was a disaster people getting shot arrested you name it and the whole situation was right out of reservoir hogs i'm not kidding Mm -hmm. you dogs i'm sorry dogs Reservoir dogs. No, it's it's reservoir hogs. 
No, it's Reservoir Dogs. It's definitely. You've dogs. never seen. You've never seen Reservoir Hogs. I've seen Reservoir Dogs. Well, Reservoir Hogs. I would rank it as probably in the top five Quentin Tarantino films of all time. Is well, I'm just going to ask you this, uh, Teeny Ken. Is Quentin Tarantino different than Quentin Tarantino? Who? No, this is no. His his name was Quint. It's his first name. Sure, Quint. Middle and middle initial N. Okay, Quint N. And his last Tarantato. name is Tarantato. This is yeah, a different yeah. person. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's a great film. You, you got to see it. It's only streaming, I think. Okay. Well, then I yeah. guess I'm going to miss out on the theatrical experience. It's great. It's about these really smart pigs who get stuck in a reservoir and their epic, you know, struggle to get out. And Tom, in all honesty, it's kind of boring. Yeah. The, the pig, the pig, the pigs are, they're smart, but they're not that smart. And it pretty uh-huh. much takes the entire, entire movie for them to figure out how to make a pig ladder. That does sound a little, it sounds like it would be really intriguing, but then when you break it down like that, it sounds like it didn't have to be a feature length film. No, no. It, it could have been like a four minute sort of just like vice expose. Yeah. And just, you know, yeah. Call it pig ladder also. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So to wrap this whole thing up, I'm, I'm sorry I've taken so much of your time, but oh, I, no, I just no, thought no. it was Teeny Ken, Teeny Ken, this is fascinating. Oh, thank you. So, all right. So. Here's how, here's, as the Sundays once said, here's how the story, uh, and was that what it is? Here's where the story, here's, here's where the story where ends. Where the story ends. Yes. The Sundays. Yeah. She had a nice voice. I, I liked her. Voice. She did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Chucky gets iced. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For spilling the beans about, about the heist. Okay. Yeah. So he, he, he was basically killed for violating the mafia code of Omartha. Omerta. I'm sorry? It, I don't think it's Omartha. No, it is. It's, of course it is. It's, it's Omartha. O- it's o- okay. Wait, well, I thought it came from the mobsters' wives always kind of, you know, no. asking, Why, where are you going all night? And, you know, where were you? And then the, the mob guy would come home and just go, oh, Martha, and just walk to the bed. No, it's Omerta means silence in oh. Italian, I believe. Crap. Okay. Well, yeah. Great. I... I got the wrong tattoo then. Perfect. Well, you got that tattooed on you? Yeah, just on my fa- on my face. Yeah. Oh God. Crap. Yeah, that's a that's that one. You might you might have wanted to look into that one a little bit more before you pull the trigger on the tattoo. Well, what if I put a Martha, a famous Martha, on my other cheek? Sure, like, like Mar- Martha Kelly would be cool. Oh, you know who I like? Martha Quinn. Remember her? Martha Quinn from MTV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be. cool. I like her. Okay, you know, that she sounds was in, weird. I don't like how she's in my face. She's in my favorite video. Uh, uh, what is it again? It's well, it's it's not the LL Cool J one that she's yeah, in. She's in yeah. uh, uh, whatever that's called. Uh, going back to Cali. Yes, I'm talking the greatest Christmas song, the greatest reggae song of all time. Brian Adams having a reggae Christmas. Classic, pure reggae. Love it. Just pure, authentic. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I could just skank for days on that one. Uh huh. All right. So they never did end up busting or Reginald for Thad's murder, which is the real travesty. Mm-hmm. It's just 
horrible, this unsolved thing. But you know what? What's that? The joke's on them. You know why? Why's that? Because Thad Whiting never died that night. Wow. Yeah. Thad freed himself from the very unpleasant barrel he was very rudely shoved into. Mm -hmm. He swam to freedom. And he forged a whole new life for himself as a top-tier pottery glazer in Craftbridge. Wow. And what is what and is his what is, what is okay? And Tom? Yeah, what's that? His name? Yeah. Is me. No, wait. No, no. My name No. My name is the same as hit. No, that still sounds weird. What I'm trying to say is Thad Whiting lives. And it's me who who damn it. I, Basically, teeny Ken. I think I we lost teeny Ken. Teeny Ken. No, he's gone. Oh no, they're gonna. They're going to get him. He shouldn't have said that on the radio um, or the internet, Not really the radio. Um, so, my friends, we got some calls coming in. I'm going to say, can we put up the, I think we have a surprise for everybody right now. We'll put up the uh, the card that says uh, that we're why we adjust things, and uh, we got a little little surprise for everybody. So uh, get ready on this one. Let's uh, do that. Yeah, surprise person coming in. Get ready. This is very exciting. This is very exciting. This is this is a good one. This is a good one. <laughs> this is a big one. Big one. It's so exciting. We have headphones right there. Oh, we're going to reveal who this is in a second. Look, we come on this show, the way we do it on this show, and welcome to this show, and don't want to say anything yet, is... um. Usually the guess is one's worse than the next. It's pure bottom of the barrel stuff. But once in a while, we get something from the top shelf, the good stuff. And this is as good as the good stuff gets. <laughs> Throw to the camera. Who's here? Throw to the camera. Who's here? <laughs> Matt Berry is in the studio. Look at this. Oh, my God. How are you? I'm good. Good evening. Well, thank you for coming. This is so exciting. No, that's my pleasure. Um, Electro voice microphones as well. Yes, these are electro voice microphones. We, yeah. we, we're not messing around here, You're Matt. not using these, no. no. 
No, this is uh, this is professional. Yeah, I know you think of me as a. <laughs> I'm a lunch pail kind of, <laughs> and ha- a ham and egger is what we call somebody like me. Not at all. No, no. Okay. You don't uh, really need the muffs, though. I mean, you can have them. They're mm-hmm. not essential on these microphones. You hear this, engineers? Oh, I'm I mean, they would it. disagree. I'm you sure. You hear this, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, Andrew. Uh, disag- slight disagreement, but he that's disagrees. Okay. But Matt, I respect Matt's technique and everything. Okay, we'd agree you- to disagree. He's saying he says he agree. He slightly disagrees. No, no, no. I mean, he's screen. he would be he would be kind of technically right. I mean, that. Let me put it this way: they're quite characterful without. Yeah. Indeed, yes. Okay, I would agree with that. Um. Can you get up on the mic a little bit more? Yeah, sure. See, that's the Read wind my sc- mind. That's Read. the windscreen. That's that- it. See, if they didn't have that, then you'd hear every word. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you know, the classic British saying, the death is everywhere. There's a fly on the windscreen. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's the classic <laughs> phrase. Matt, this is so exciting. Um, you and I have known each other for a, a long time. Yes, a long time. We met um, decades ago. Decades ago in North Carolina, of all places. I drove down. Yeah, the hottest place I'd ever been at that point. Mm -hmm. By far. Yeah. We were working on a thing and the thing didn't happen. Yep. And then some time went by. Yep. Then we worked on another thing. It happened. And that did happen. Yeah. And now we find ourselves here. <laughs> yeah, possibly going to work on another thing. I would like that very much. You hear that, everybody? These people say I'm a loser and I got nothing going on. Uh, Matt well, that's not true. Thank you. You're very kind. Now, Matt, what came first for you? The love of the comedy or the love of the music? Because the music, for for people who don't know, Matt is an incredibly talented musician. Well, Top forty albums. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's it's really easy for me to answer that. I mean, like I like most artists, sort of young kind of forming artists. The biggest fear when you're young is getting a normal job and not being able to sort of make up yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. So that was all I cared about. Like you know that I would end up not working hard enough at the art and end up doing something, you know, which I kind of hated. So it didn't matter to me which, you know, whatever would kind of take off first mm-hmm. as long as I was, you know, as long as I was working in the arts. Yeah. Now I went to art school, so it could have been painting. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, because you're an excellent, excellent painter. Well, we might as well. I was what, all right. We might as well back list what then, you can't do. At this I'm rusty. Point. I can't, right. I can't drive. Um, okay. There's a lot of things I can't, can't drive, <laughs> but it's a very look. Can't drive. I can't build. Can't things. not finish a bottle of water. No, it's a very short list. Yeah, of the things. You, so, so you were just looking to do something. Yeah, I just wanted just wanted to kind of remain in the arts. That mm-hmm. was the main objective. Yeah, it still is. Yeah, because that is one of the things you will. When you're working on a show, you'll have a whole setup, and you're working on music while you're while yeah. you're working on like what we do in the shadows. I know you're yeah you're doing your music when you're not on set yeah, 
And it's just so, so what, what and for that show, mm-hmm. sometimes music for that show. Yeah. 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 So you, so, but the, but the, the, the performing in terms of the comedy started yeah. to pop first. Yeah. I mean like the, the kind of the most sort of like the most kind of like magazine answer for you, which I've like trotted out for years is I dream about music. I've never dreamt about comedy. Sure. So that tells you yeah. it all. That's uh, then. That's kind of how I've. Uh, you always like. W- we don't talk about comedy generally. Briefly, well, we have. We will, but yeah, it's like, yeah. But music is where we would have these discussions that yeah. would just keep going. And I mean, we talk about we talk about sort of performance. I mean, that's what we're yeah. interested in, mm-hmm. and that could be that could be both art forms. You yes. know, if there's a performer that we like or that's mm-hmm. caught our eye or we're mm-hmm. interested in, then we'll yeah. talk about that. And that could be some old grey whistle test thing from 50 years ago. Yeah. Or someone we saw last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Now, who was that guy who hosted old grey whistle test? That guy who... Whispering seemed, Bob Harris. He seemed like he was just mad yeah, at yeah. any youth stuff. Yeah, he hated, yeah, he hated Roxy. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was the guy. You did a little, didn't you do like on Snuffbox, like a yeah. kind of a version of. Yeah. But he was like the, the he original. He used to talk host. like this and he'd be very kind of, it was his thing. It was his, it was his sort of gimmick. Mm-hmm. And next we've got the uh, a band, you know, that's how he'd introduce everything. Uh-huh. And he just seemed like irked at anything Well, he loud. only liked people that wore denim, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that sort of thing. He didn't like anything that was out of the, you know, like sort of. Different, and he would say so. Like you'd never be able to do that now. You know, there was a live music show with different styles of music. Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck what the presenter thinks? You know about yeah, yeah. No. the choice of things. Only the... if he's nice about it. Yeah, but you know, but this guy would be like, um, uh, some people will like that, I suppose. You know, and then he'd like talk about the next. <laughs> so thing. He's just taking shots at everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Roxy Music was something he didn't. He didn't like Roxy music, and there was a couple of other things I can't remember now that he just didn't like. Yeah. So he was, uh, yeah, because that like I've watched those old Grey Whistle tests, and the the performances are amazing. But it just seems like this guy is like the well, the performances are amazing, and you got to understand as well that they were all done in a weather studio that was probably twice the size of this place. Mm-hmm. So there's only enough room for you, your band. And the crew, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you have to get an atmosphere with that. I mean, it was, they yeah. did an you know an amazing job as like it, yeah. those bands because no. I mean, some and the of guys it. that were actually part of the crew, they didn't want to be there. They wanted to be doing sport, you know, or anything uh-huh. else. They weren't interested in this shit. Yeah, Bob Marley, the, you know, or, nothing yeah. for them. That is, I worked on a on a. Um, when I worked on uh, Monk, the yeah. show I worked on, there was a guy in the crew, and I'm not exaggerating this. He said, because these crew, the thing is like, God bless these crew people. They're there to do a job. The <laughs> The program itself is kind of beside the point to yeah, them. totally. This guy said, he was in production, like line, line production, and he said, um, yeah, I worked on uh, There Will Be Blood, and that was just the worst job I ever had in my life. It's like, worst jobs. Hot, 
dusty. He's like, but then I worked on uh, this uh, Saved by the Bell <laughs> reunion movie that was on a cruise ship. It's like, man, that was the greatest. And it was just like. That tells you everything. Well, it's like, yeah. well, you know, more power to you, but <laughs> one is a masterpiece <laughs> and the other one is just a piece of garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like. A piece of shit. He's yeah. just like, we <laughs> had the. He's like. We were either buffet on the cruise. Yeah, well, that's ship. what I was going to say. It could have been as fast as something like we got the sandwiches a lot faster on this other job. Oh, that's all know? it was. And but it's just like it's always that amazing thing when you're just like, like you know, you're breaking your back to make the things you do as great as possible. I'm working hard, and it's just like it's 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 always like it's just slightly surprising when somebody says, "Oh, you don't care." Like a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah about yeah. the quality. Here. Yeah, <laughs> just like that ah, Saved by the Bell movie. That was a great one. That was just like I'm telling you, we were on that boat for two weeks. <laughs> we had big rooms, a buffet, twenty four hours. Twenty four hours. So what, I'm trying to think. You, what what were the first things for you then? Just to go back, because you you were kind of with the like, what crew were you kind of running with at that point? The I wasn't really. Um, I came out of university um, mm -hmm. sort of knowing costume designers and um, people that were doing, you know, things within the art faculty route. Mm -hmm. and it was a friend who was doing, a friend who was doing costume, which kind of led me, her friend was, one of the mighty Boosh, and it kind of led me to that, and sure. then, which led me to going. They used to do these gigs, um, play to like 80 people, mm -hmm. and there's all this sort of mythology now, you know, that they were packed and sort of rammed every mm -hmm. They weren't always. <laughs> like, it wasn't <laughs> true. But, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of the time so. And I just did that. I didn't know what else to do. I was working at the London Dungeon. Mm -hmm. I had – there was nothing in front of me. Do you know what sure. I mean? So London Dungeon is a tourist. Yeah, I'm trying thing. to think of what a similar thing would be. Well, you know, it's like work. It's like being sort of Mickey Mouse at um, okay, yeah, at Disney, at Disney, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was doing that, and I didn't mind it. You know, it was fine. Mm -hmm. And in the evening, I, you know, I just wanted to do sort of something else. You know, and I was playing my songs on acoustic, and it just so happened that this Boosh thing, you know, was a comedy act. Mm -hmm. And after about the third week of doing this, I thought, you know, well, I've got to adapt here in some way because they've come here to watch, you know, comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just sort of buggered about with these songs, you know, and kind of made them rude and um, uh -huh. and about suicide and things like that and, you know, and like serial killers. Yeah. I was the serial killer mm -hmm. telling people where – you know, I kind of buried everyone in a confessional song, which at the time I thought was really funny, mm -hmm. you know, and that was it. And then that's, and then I was spotted doing that. And uh -huh. then touch wood, I haven't worked since. Okay. Yeah. You've been as high and dry looking <laughs> well, for. You know what I mean? Like work yeah. as in the temp work that I was doing up until that Oh, point. I see you mean work. I thought you were being funny because you, you've worked, you've done nothing but work. No, no. Yeah. Uh -huh. But yeah. Yeah. And are you surprised, like, with the – because we we also – one of the things we've talked about is the – what plays in America that doesn't play in the UK yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Are you amazed at how some of this 
some of these things play so always just like yeah, like the be- idea that Garth Marenghi is something that like, there are that true obsessives. Yeah, that was something that I didn't even think they were going to play the full, you know, the full light like, series uh-huh. on Channel Four. I thought they'd play the first one and get so many complaints, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they would just wouldn't bother with the rest of them. And I thought that with things I did as well, you yeah. know, I thought that Snuffbox wouldn't even be like broadcast. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So I'm yeah always amazed by. It. I can't remember whether you were with. We, you were with me when we were in Canada, and there was a Garth Marenghi sort of marathon. I, I missed that. I know you were there. There was like a theater was showing all the episodes. Just happened to be while we're in town. You're in town, yeah. And then you went to it. Well, I was told that I should go because there's something going on. I sure. didn't know what it was. It was <laughs> Stephanie <laughs> Robbins mm-hmm. said, "You know, you got to come with me because there's something going on at this theater that I think you know you might like." And I was okay. And I went there and it was like Garth Marenghi Marathon and everyone was in like costume. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. And I sort of (laughs) said, well, you've got to go and see, you know, go in there and introduce yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That is, it is strange because some things do not, so things you take for granted. Yeah. Do not make sense culturally. Yeah, Yeah. Like one thing we talked a lot about was, um, like Robert Blake, you were not aware. <laughs> no, you were not aware who Robert. No, Blake but you was. got me obsessed with him. Yeah, because <laughs> you were you were like, who is this Robert Blake? Yeah, and I was just like, we're like because he's always mentioned on these things. I think, well, who is this guy? And then you said, well, he was in this show. Uh, what was his show called? Beretta. Beretta. Yeah. Yeah, and I hadn't seen that. You know that that didn't play in the yeah. UK, but no. I just know that he was this scumbag guy that had done these despicable things yeah and he he he, um and he had a catchphrase yeah that's the name of that that's the name of that tune (laughs) yeah and so it is just interesting for me to be like oh robert blake of course my whole life i know who robert blake is and then you're just like who is this yeah 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 um who are there other ones like that where you're just you haven't said like who like you're kind of kicking around in your head but you don't exactly have a line. There's on loads who of them. Are. We've talked about it. yeah. There's because in something that I love, you know, I don't, you know, I can't think of examples right now. But they'll go, you know, what you worry, you're this guy, and then they'll mention yeah. someone. I don't know who they mean. Yeah, but it's funny because it because it makes everyone else laugh. Sure. And I don't need to know who that guy is. Well, no, that's how Alan Partridge is for me, for example, exactly, when he yeah. suddenly says, well, like Sue Cook. Yeah. And you came here. <laughs> and she like, used to do crime watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know who Sue <laughs> Cook is or where he's just like, when he's trying to get the <laughs> campaign, he's like, it's like, you're talking to Cliff Thorburn <laughs> or me. Yeah. It's got to be me. Make your mind up. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't no. matter that you don't know who these are because you, you, you know it's what they're representing. The funniest thing is you know they're at a certain tier of, exactly. yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. show business or of broadcasting. Yeah. yeah, like, uh, well, the big one is always like Bill Oddy to me was the funniest. <laughs> and then I started finding out about this guy and he was in The Goodies. He was in The Goodies, yeah. And was he funny? Which didn't translate over here, I don't no, think. No, no, The good Like, that was, would that have been parallel to Monty Python, more or less? Slightly era- afterwards, era-wise? but it was okay. kind of billed as, you know, they wanted the same sort of success for it. Yeah. But then he went on and became a, a yeah. bird expert. Yeah, I mean, I always felt bad about 
because I mean everyone feels bad now because you know, what the the thing about he him was he used to lose his temper and it was entertaining <laughs> and then ten years ago you know you find you know suffering from sort of crippling like depression mm-hmm. all the way through this and yeah everybody was kind of like you know and you. You feel bad now, you know, but at the time it was a yeah, it was his thing. <laughs> just watching this guy get high strung, yeah, and you're just like, you sent me this clip, the clip that he kind of got yeah, fired yeah. off of. Where he did, yeah. He was so mad. Yeah, I ab- sent that to you. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, did, yeah, 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 yeah. About yeah. the birds. <laughs> yeah, like and some like morning show. He did that. Yeah, and the guy asked the most innocuous, like all he said was, you know, um, it's a bit early to be seeing the blackbirds, isn't it, Bill or whatever. <laughs> And Bill was, what a stupid question. Why would you ask me that? Do you know what I mean? And this wasn't even like eight o'clock in the morning. And I think by lunchtime, Bill was gone. <laughs> just, just out of the building. Spring watch. Yeah, he had the box. Yeah, we were yeah. talking, one of the things we're talking about tonight also is jobs you've quit or jobs you've gotten fired from. Well, there's plenty then, of them. Well, that's Bill Oddie right there. Yeah, is there any that jump out at you that you've got? Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of telly sales before working at the London Dungeon. Okay. Um, I was so skint that I I borrowed, there was two of us house sharing. Well, there was sort of three or four of us, but two of us were so skint that we sort of shared the smart, the only pair of smart black trousers. Mm-hmm. So if I needed them on a certain day, then I wore them. If he needed them for an interview, then he wore them. Honestly, it was that. So between three well, guys. Be- between two of us. The other one wasn't interested. Yeah. Sure, you had one pair of yeah. professional pants. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd be like, I need the pants I today. need them on Wednesday. Go, that's fine. You can have them on Wednesday. Yeah, but I was doing telesales, mm-hmm. and that was miserable, and the hours were fucking nuts. Yeah. And it was a case of you're in these pods and in these pods they had like this sort of stick on thing that said no eating and no eating and drinking at your workspace. And if you've been there for six months or whatever, you know, screw that after a while. And I remember eating this double decker. You know what a double decker is? You have double deckers? We don't. Right. So it's like, what's the equivalent? Um, well, it's it's like candy bar a Kit Kat, yeah. Oh, like a Kit Kat, okay. Yeah, so I was eating a, something like that, um, or an Aero. And um, uh, this guy called out my name, screamed out my name, told me to stand up. And I had the double-decker <laughs> in my hand. And this was a room that was like, there was like 200 other people mm-hmm. sat at their like yeah. bloody things. And I had to stand up and he screamed and said... Why is reading in front? You know, and all this kind of stuff. Read out Ross Whitfield. And <coughs> they asked me to like read it out and to be part of his kind of like humiliation. So he- I was like, fuck this. And I just, <laughs> that was it. I didn't even take my headset off. I walked away from the headset, which is just ripped as it, as so it went. So you walk away with the headset yeah, still yeah. on your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is. Um, yeah. In Liverpool Street, that was. Uh-huh. I still walk past the same build. Yeah, that building. Yeah. Now, Send shivers down my spine. <laughs> yeah. What if you looked into a crystal ball? Like, oh, what does my future hold? And you see you back there. Like, it's you currently. The current version um, of you. There's you no got way. the headset on. It would mean it would mean ten things went wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. Like not yeah. just not just like, oh, this one thing happened. It would yeah. mean 
this thing happened, which led to this bad thing happened. Like you were like, (laughs) you're just on a (laughs) pure losing streak. No, totally. (laughs) Um, we always talk about, uh, I'm always fascinated when with, with, uh, just the regions of England and you always like, I'll bring somebody up and then you talk about the, like, you'll break down where they're from in terms of the voice. And my favorite one. Well, it's because of Love Island, isn't it? Well, Love Island's one of the ones I'll say to you. Where's Tom from? Where's Tom from? Where's Ron from? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like on this current season, you have. Yeah. So, Tom, where is Tom from again? Tom is, I think he's from Manchester. Okay. And what is that accent is like the... So he's like that and he's, he, he talks like that and it's quite slow compared to the rest. Yeah. Who talk a lot faster because they're from the South. Because <laughs> he's always just like, I like... Uh, I like. All her. right. Are you doing that, did you? Okay, right. <laughs> Very nice. Uh-huh. So that's, that's this guy. Too. First of all, Love Island is the best show on earth <laughs> i think everybody should catch up or, yeah um yeah the other i'm trying to think of the other but like how about uh like uh like kai that accent is more of uh, he's a, that's that he's also northern okay um but yeah i mean he's up there like he's, yeah he's got a all right did you yeah, I mean it's northern, but not as pronounced as mm-hmm. Tom's. Because he's slightly like, oh, quicker. Oh, oh, he's got that going on. Yeah, too. he talks like that. Yeah, so it's like I'm buzzing. I'm yeah, buzzing. But it's the same thing with South and East London. Mm-hmm. I don't know how interesting this is to me. No, anyone, this is but... well, look. I it's interesting to me. Yeah, that's well, that's all, all that matters. Then matters. Um, East is slower than South. Okay. And I'm now going to try and think of two people that you might know from. For instance, uh, um, South London, yeah, it's like it's all very quick. Oh, right, did you do that? Oh, right, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll come off it like that. Bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Whereas East would be, and then whole thing turned out <laughs> like, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, and all- that's how you know someone is South or sure East. And then because for here, like I have. People drill me for having a New Jersey yeah, yeah. East Coast accent because I'll say things like water, like the word like rather than water. Yeah. I say water. Water. But, but the, yeah. <laughs> but then if you go – I'm in New Jersey. You go one click down to Philadelphia. Yeah. They say water. They're just okay. like, you get some water? And it's just amazing. They're 45 minutes away. Yeah. And yeah. it's just – unrecognizable like um that's almost like canadian then no the canadian thing is very interesting because it is it is like an altered version of the midwestern thing that you get sometimes like it's very like okay i'm going to like it's it's almost like when when on monty python when like graham chapman would do like he'd be like hey look here buddy like when he's doing his American yeah, yeah. guy. And so they're always doing just a Midwestern person. You can't talk to my wife that way. Yeah, And yeah. everything is so overly enunciated. But the Canadian thing is kind of a little bit the top of the Northwest. I mean, the Midwest crossed with, with some other thing where, like when I saw, um, 
Nick Cave, when I was up in Toronto, Nick Cave was playing the arena there and I went and the floor was open and so there were just no seats on the floor and there was this guy who had like an eight-year-old with him on his shoulders and he runs into a friend and he's just like, <clears throat> he's like, uh, oh, you brought your son to the show. He's like, yeah, yeah, I brought the wee one to the show. I figured... Mm. uh we one's first show could be a uh, Nick Cave. I uh, figured uh, that'd be a good one uh, for the we one to see first. And I was just like, "You're ruining the vibe here." Like, <laughs> like first of all, it's Nick Cave, and now I got to look at a guy with his eight year old. It's like this is not the energy I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you enjoying the show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like going to the, yeah. Like Joy Division or something. Yeah, with a with bringing your nine year old. Yeah, to or a like Joy... your gran. Yeah, I like Joy Division. <laughs> yeah. So when you how you put you've put out an album pretty much every year over the last few years. You've you've been pretty pretty prolific with. There's with some the years where I don't have any time. Yeah, but you know I try and I try to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one one of the. One of the many things I admire. I'm not going to say the thing I admire. <laughs> One of the countless things I admire, Matt, is you um, You kind of take on a whole – you take on a different approach to each one. Like it's not it's not just like, oh, I have I – have, if you have one Matt Berry album, you, you've got them all. Like it's not like – like the Ramones are kind of yeah, like yeah. that where it's just like, no, they're – but you really take on a different different approach and attitude and yeah. like instrumentation changes for yeah. each one. Yeah. And that um a different sort of manifesto, like a private manifesto sure. for each one. Okay. And, and that can just be something that's sort of pinned to the wall in the studio that no one else will see. Yeah. And it can be stuff that looks totally nuts to everyone else. Like I was talking briefly earlier to to Guy Pratt. Guy Pratt is a bass player. He plays for Pink Floyd and whatever now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's, say, for a um, a guitar solo that I'm not too sure about, mm-hmm. but it's kind of in the same area as I've done something before, then yeah. I might take a shoe off just okay. to give me a bit of panic uh-huh. for it and to be unsteady for it. Sure, to get a little bit of the... Yeah, get or, the moment, maximize yeah. the moment. That makes or else borrow a guitar that I've never played before, mm-hmm. borrow it off a friend, and not play it until I actually record that thing. Sure. So I don't know what it's going to sound. Like. I don't know what it's going to kind of feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, John uh, John Worcester, who I do all the stuff with on the show. You know, he's a drummer by yeah. trade, and he's done things where he'll switch hands to just give it a different feel to kind of almost just like replicate. Yeah, being less in control of the the instrument. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, you can really surprise yourself with that stuff, and sort of more importantly, sound like someone else, and that's the main aim. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, to answer what you said, you know, yeah, the reason for doing different things in each album is because I'm doing them for myself, and I want to be interested. Yeah, and the only way to be interested is to do something else each each time, and it's the same, you know, with like comedy yeah. to an extent. No, you don't want to run the stuff into the ground. You know, or be with different people, you know, and mm-hmm. work with different people. And Yeah. No, it re- it's a matter of keeping it kind of like on point and 
fresh for yourself because if it's if it's not fresh for you, yeah, then what's it going to be like for for anybody in the audience? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I the one I liked so much was um, like two years ago the psych one. I thought was just all right, unbelievable. Like just like you went all in on that one. That was amazing. Yeah, I mean because that because that was done during lockdown because it just felt like absolutely no one was watching for that and no yeah. one had asked for it because I'd put one out quite soon before. Mm-hmm. So that was everything that I, I mean. That's the one that I'm the most, most like pleased with. I'd say the okay. blue elephant because it yeah. sounded exactly how I wanted that to sound. Yeah. I didn't have to change anything. You know, I'm not saying it's the best one. You know, mm-hmm. but artistically, it's the one that I'm the most sort of satisfied with. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not. You don't have to worry about. No, I don't. The best one. No. It's like, man, I would love. Nothing more than if you were doing shows here, Matt Berry live in concert. Yeah, I'd love to. That would be amazing. And I know a lot of people would love it. I'm not trying to. No, no, I know. I'd love to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I'm, you know, when they don't want any more vampires, then, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll have more time. Yeah. Because you, uh, you're still going with what we do in the shadows. You're going into, is it six now? Yeah. Six you're going to do like later in the year? Yeah. So you at this point, you and you are an honorary uh, Canadian. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I was talking to you about it the other day. Worked out that I'd lived there for over two years. Was it nearly two yeah. years? That's insane. Yeah. The idea you did, you've actually lost you years up. worth of living in yeah. Canada. No, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, more power to you with that. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm very happy here in Los Angeles. No, no, of course. No, no. I mean, this. it's, it's, you're so busy that, you know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't matter where I was, you know, and I have a great time there, to be fair. It, it, it's a great You make place. wherever you are, you know, mm-hmm. you have fun wherever you are. Yeah. And, um, one of the, uh, oh, somebody wants to know, can you do the Quebec accent? No, I wouldn't no, be able to do. Wouldn't even try. And if you were to do an American accent, what it do? What? Because this is what every British person does when they're just like, it's like, hey, can you do an American accent? Just like, yeah, well, well, you wanna no, but it's like you say, you it's when, when, when Brits do it, it's too kind of deliberate, and mm-hmm. well, I don't, you know, everything is very considered. Yeah. Whereas no one, everybody talks a lot faster. Yeah. So that's yes. what I have to keep telling myself, you know mm-hmm. that. Just talk the same speed as you talk yourself, yeah. but in that accent. Yeah. And you'll be nearer to it. Yeah, yeah. Just by get you gotta capture the spirit of yeah. it. Yeah. But I'm obsessed with that kind of posh American accent, mm-hmm. the Jane Fonda type mm-hmm. thing. That you don't really hear much now. Just like the Well, I I'm very glad that you would say, you know, that sort of sure. thing. Just it's very show busy, yeah. very proper in a in a casual proper yeah. way. Yeah. But it's not it's not like well because we have no we have no royal family. No, no, here. no. We, yeah. There's nothing yeah. regal about anything here. Yeah. It's Which kinda, is why it's funny, I think. Yeah. That that's well that is America's royalty is going to be an, an acting family like that. Like, yeah. you know, three generations in, that's the closest we're going to get to any sort of... No, of course. I think it was Barbarella was the first time I'd ever heard an accent like that. Mm-hmm. And was like, shit, that's different, you know. Yeah, it's kind of stripped of any 
Well, why not? And all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Now, prog rock, that's what we all <laughs> want to talk about. That's what you're interested in. That's what I'm interested in. Where did the where did the love of that come? Because I can I can tell you mine came Yes was the first band that moved the needle for me with okay. that stuff. I would hear them on the radio and you're just like Well, do you want to buy one of their Mellotrons? Because they're up they're for sale at the moment. You know this. I've sent you the details. For yes. Yeah. One of their Yeah, I don't know if I can swing it. I would also the thing is also for me, I'd be like, I got it. And then it would just be like, I don't play it. And it would just be kind of like, hey, do you want to see uh Yeah. You want to see Rick Wakeman's Mellotron? Yeah. And it'd be like, what can you do with it? It's like, not much. I yeah. Can't. Well, yeah, because the point of it would be it'd have to be on new music. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So so not when, on a wall, you know? Yeah. So who was the first uh who was the first band to jump Well the out first for you? thing and I didn't know that it was prog because I I wouldn't have known what that word meant, but I mean it it would have been tubular bells. Okay. Yeah. And um in the way that one song was a, the whole of one side of an album. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was fascinating. And I didn't and I hadn't come across that. Just a, just the Mike Oldfield, just to spread out to that degree and really just, yeah. And that was huge here. And back there. Unbelievable that something that unique Isoteric, could be yeah. that popular. Yeah, completely. And I mean, I guess it's obviously the, um, the Exorcist. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that at the time. I mean, it, for me, it was the reason that I've never been bored with it some albums that i love i don't want to listen to too often because i got to the end mm. of them i know exactly what the deal is with them all yeah yeah but with that album it because it's made and it's it's just pure chaos from the beginning to the end mm-hmm. di- disguised as you know sweet sort of melodies and stuff but it's not it's kind of chaos right from the beginning to the end yeah and that's why it never gets old for me or um i never know what's going to come next even though i do know what's going to come next yeah. because it doesn't make any sense you know well, well it's the difference between because there's so much of that and tell me if i'm wrong it's like what how much what what kind of sequences are like what level of is is being played versus are there sequences going on no it's that, n- see that's the difference yeah it's 1972 1973 so there isn't anything you know yeah like, He's playing along to a a lot of the time. Sure. And sometimes not even. Mm-hmm. Um, so and you can a, hear it. Yeah, there's it a real It speeds up and it. slows down and does yeah. all this stuff. The stuff that he doesn't like now, which mm-hmm. I love because it's what gives it its, you know, its sort of atmosphere and its kind of like human vibe, if you like. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the same reason when you watch. Um, if you watch like Star Wars, like the first one, it's like you you can touch it. Yeah, there's a, exactly. There's a tactile feel that that there's no substitute for. Uh, yeah, and that's where this this precision, yeah, and perfection. It's just you lose that. Yeah, just the element that is yeah. what makes it makes you want to keep coming back. Yeah, yeah. So tubular bells. But you're a keyboard player at this point, and yeah. is that just like this is now that? And the other one is. Uh, Jean-Michel yeah. Jarre is yeah. like huge for you, I know. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, for me here, it's, um, 
But yes, we're huge here. They were playing football stadiums. That's crazy. It's the craziest thing when you think they're packing in 50,000 screaming Americans. Yeah, that's staggering still. For them to play, for them to just go like, and now we're going to play. Largely inaccessible music. Yeah, exactly. Get ready for (laughs) three movements of of some uh, some like pseudo classical piece now yeah. just like and they're just like Rah! no totally it's like, it's, yeah it's weird yeah i mean like even for instance you, i don't know whether you can remember but years ago i was obsessed with their version of america yes i remember we talked the, the simon and garfunkel yeah and and i could never kind of predict where this snare would come in because mm-hmm. it, it didn't make sense to the rest of the song yeah which kind of made it, t- you know, which meant that I never got fed up with that either. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you're still chasing. It was always, yeah, it was yeah. always like, it should come there, but it doesn't. And my mm-hmm. whole body wants it to come there, yeah. but it doesn't. Yeah. And that's what I love, the fact that... That's amazing. Like, you're literally, the pull of the of the, of the the rhythm is yeah. where you're... It's like, it's just the heartbeat in us that wants these things to... to yeah, to I can remember where it is. Out. It's the bit that goes, bam, bam. Yeah, it's in the first verse. Yeah. No, I always felt that way with certain records when like hearing like studio chatter at the beginning of like a police song, you hear them yeah, like, yeah. saying something. Or even just like um John Bonham when you hear that like the the pedal squeaking on uh, yeah. since I've been loving you, that just like like that's what makes it that's what makes it timeless. Yeah. Is the is the humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So Oh, somebody wants to know what your first well, cause, I mean, keyboard you, that, was. Because that's like small talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the time, and that's what blows your mind when you hear these Beatles things, and yeah. they're talking about sandwiches or you know something yeah. immediate mm-hmm. in 1964. Well, just to know that they were that there were people doing it. Yeah, and, and people also, you know, and the fact that everybody talked. Small talk back yeah. then, because yeah. <laughs> you exactly. know what I mean. It's like yeah. you think everyone's so kind of cool in the sixties. No, but they're just, just yeah, getting it's just through their day. Yeah, sure, and yeah. it's and it's uh, and it's so kind of yeah, that still kind of blows my head off to hear something mundane, you know, just before you launch into yeah, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds or whatever. Now, if you were in the Beatles, yeah, how long would it have been before you? told john lennon to stop with the puns and the i wouldn't the, have done i'd have been into it <laughs> i'm just saying just picture yeah yeah you're 30 hours deep now trying to do this thing and he's going i'd like it yeah 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 you yeah. wouldn't and you're just sitting there but he was being goaded as well because i mean if you listen to those things there's george martin is doing it back they're mm. all doing sort of goons impressions it's it's uh-huh. What they're doing is like radio comedy because that was a big thing then. Sure. There hadn't been any sort of big TV. And, well, you know, there was like Tony Hancock, but Mm -hmm. they would have been working while Tony Hancock was on. Hancock's half hour. Yeah. So all of their kind of comedy references would have been from radio comedy, things like Mm -hmm. The Goons. So that's what he's doing. Yeah. So so they're just kind of having – they're going down memory lane a little bit. And they're all enjoying that because that stuff was huge. Yeah. So he's not – necessarily being a pain in the ass when he's doing that sure uh, to me the sheer volume of it i would just be at a point so it's like <laughs> i need to go get yeah a I know. soda or something <laughs> yeah, yeah he's doing the thing again <laughs> he's 
But I mean, he's, he was doing it a lot of the time because he was nervous. Oh, of course, he's filming. And McCartney even put like like points it out a few times. Yeah, don't be nervous, John. I'm not. You know. Uh, yeah, and why does Paul always do this? You ever notice Paul's always? Does he do that? He always scratches. It's like he'll be in an interview, be like, "Well, you know, do the thing." And he like rubs his finger uh, on his nose. He does oh. so many things, Paul. <laughs> He's a <gasps> what a. It's a yeah the hey yeah the well the up. thumb up there was a reason for that it's because he didn't have to shake hands sure because if there's someone across the road and they go yeah. Paul he just goes like that yeah, and that's and that stops like, him from having to go exactly. across and, yeah I'm not going to touch you yeah yeah <laughs> um so what was the first keyboard you uh, you got uh, it would have been an organ a cheap Hammond organ um, not like a a B3, uh-huh. one of the ones from the mid-70s that uncles had. Mm-hmm. That was the first one, and I thought it was the best thing in the world. I mean, I still do. You know, it, it did everything that I wanted it yeah. to do, and I just sort of lost myself in it. Mm-hmm. And what was the first, like, heavy-duty one where you're just like, I got, I got it. Like, I wanted it. Yeah, a Vox Continental, it. which was I got for 80 quid, which is the same keyboard that the Doors used. Okay. And um and that would have been the early 90s because nobody wanted that stuff. Sure. That stuff was cheap as hell. Like you Just, could pick up stuff for like next to nothing. Yeah. What I that's what I try to want to figure out is like what's the version of that where it's just the stuff's just sitting on a shelf right now taking up room but like five yeah. years from now everybody's going to want exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what would it be? Like you just don't know because of Yeah. Yeah. I thought it would be the uh in the nineties in America, I don't know if you had the same experience, when the internet was starting to take off, they would mail everybody these discs. Right. To like load into your computer so you could have like America online or yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I remember. The server. Yeah, yeah. And these things were just stacked everywhere. Because the thing that a, a collectible never says on it like collector's item that no. guarantees it's gonna hit a ceiling at a point yeah exactly yeah but it's like a piece of garbage like that yeah that everybody has nostalgia attached to but everybody threw it out yeah like it's like a free gift from a bank or something yeah a piggy bank from a bank sure which there were millions and at the time you thought there were pieces of shit yeah and everybody tossed them and then suddenly it's and now like, they're worth like 400 quid because yeah, you're just like oh man piggy bank yeah i was a kid yeah i threw mine away yeah i did mine then, i hated it yeah, yeah. And then there's some maniac who just has like a closet yeah. full of them <laughs> yeah it, rich like now. yeah <laughs> it's like you psychopath yeah now you're now you're rich you're a rich psychopath yeah like i don't know how much time you have man i'm not gonna no 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 i'm good you okay. know that i'm okay. i'm just yeah just saying Let's, i got nowhere to go like uh <laughs> Wait, what movie is that? Uh, I don't even know where I am. An officer and a gentleman. He's like, I yeah. got nowhere else to go. Oh, that's I it. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere go. else to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, let me just introduce. Uh, do you want to, Sean? I just want to talk to you. You can slide the mic over. We're going to put Sean on for a minute. I just want to. Um, Fantastic. There was an, a few years ago, Every people might, you're wondering who Sean is. There was an interview. Because look, the the story is, it, Sean is a, a crucial player in my Ant Man saga. I was in the first movie, 
I got cut out. Then the second movie, I shoot a thing told by my friend, the director, Uncuttable. Lo and behold, Uncuttable was a relative term, I found out, <laughs> three weeks before it came out. Now there's, set the, can you set the stage? It's, uh, it was about five years ago, a press conference in Pasadena. Yeah. And these, the thing about entertainment journalism is it's full of deeply weird people who ask really strange questions. Mm-hmm. So most of the time at these press conferences, I never say anything because just let these weirdos do their thing and mm. I'll get whatever content I can. But this one, I had a real question. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to play. So the room, tell, tell everybody who's at the table doing this press conference. So that we, you're, you're working as uh, as a reporter. Yeah. So we had up there, what, Michael Douglas, Paul Rudd, Lawrence Fishburne, Peyton Reed, Evangeline Lilly, and more, I believe, but I can't remember. Marvel, Kevin Feige. Oh, yeah, Feige Kevin Feige was there. was there. Let me find the – let's find this. Oh, my goodness. So then you send me a clip, and – this is what you ask. And you could hear it if you put headphones on. If you want to hear it, Matt, you can hear yeah, it. Yeah, I do, yeah. Let's see. And it went like this. There we go. Look at that. So here's the press conference. I'm not going to play this long. This is the two minutes when I got, I got to play. You're, you're absolutely right. I think from the get-go, I was like, well, no, clearly, she, she's really good at this. <laughs> two more. I think we have time for two more. Who did I get? Yes, four or five. This is not you, of course. No, this is you. Yeah. Yes, question for I'm intrigued. Oh, wait, hold on. Returning for a third film in the series. Okay, here you go. This is your moment of trying. Uh, yes, question for Peyton. Uh, have there been any talks about you returning for a third film in the series? And if you do, will you be cutting Tom Sharpling from that movie too? <laughs> that was you. Yes, it was. You asked that at the thing, at the thing and you... Yeah, you have to set it up like it's a real question. Yes. People need to know about Ant Man sure. Three, and saying. then and then you then stick, and then you yeah. stick them. Super. Well, and then you're up there. You're watching Michael Douglas, and, and afterwards, the best this is one of the best moments of my life, and it's very on brand for me. Is that was I in the in that movie? No, <laughs> the trade off was I'm going to say arguably better than being in it. That backstage after that interview, Michael Douglas said to Peyton, it's like, you cut your friend out of both of these movies? Like, he like... <laughs> well, I think also another great thing to come out of that press conference was Peyton Reed's Michael Douglas impersonation, yeah. which is oh, just yeah. incredible. No, his, his Michael Douglas impression is truly great. And he was just like, so you cut your friend out... Let me get this straight. You cut your friend out of both movies? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Sean, I will forever... In your debt for that, you <laughs> you came through, you stood up to Peyton Reed, 
who's my friend, of course. That's the other thing. I'm making it sound like he's some villain yeah. in my life. He's somebody I was texting with this morning. Like it's just like, oh, this is Peyton Reed. No, but that was um, that was excellent, and it was a total triumph. What did, have you done? Other things like that? In things like is that the most bold thing you've done at one of these? Oh yeah. Yeah. And when did you know you were going to do that? Were you just like, this is it? If I could get the microphone, I was going to do it. <laughs> Good on you. It's the greatest. <laughs> You're just like, I'm getting it. Yeah. Because that to me. Well, you think, you know, around that time was like, that was the first movie after en- or uh, Infinity War. So all yeah. the questions are Thanos, Thanos. Yeah. And you just like. I, I had a real it. question. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really, look, it's the best thing I ever heard, you could say. Might say it's the best thing I ever heard. <laughs> um, let me see if there are people been on hold for a while. I don't want to. Let me see what callers are here. So, were you cut out of the KFC <laughs> commercial that you did, or or were was you I never in out? it? Oh no, they filmed me. <laughs> I was in a. Like I know this is your favorite <laughs> story. <laughs> His, uh, and I've, I think I've told a shorter version of it, but I was d- directing commercials and just kind of on that side of things. And then I got asked by the director who was working at the same agency that I was. He's like, hey, would you be in this commercial we're doing? I'm doing these KFC commercials. <laughs> With the colonel, because they would change the colonel every time. It started off, it's Daryl Hammond, and then it was Norm MacDonald, and then it was whoever, Jason Alexander, and all these. And then he says, for this commercial, it's Ray Liotta is the colonel. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do it, sure. I should. They put me through the works, wardrobe, I'm in a... I'm dressed like a manservant. I'm in a full <laughs> tails, the the vest, everything. Like proper, because the p- plot of the commercial is that, the plot of the commercial. He's Colonel Sanders, played by Ray Liotta, who's one of the most intense <laughs> lunatics <laughs> in show business history. He is torn between... The two types of chicken, <laughs> Nashville gold and Georgia hot. I think those were the ones. Yeah. And he doesn't know which one he wants. And then I'm supposed to come in and I go, how about you have both, sir? <laughs> but this, I'm going to say this first of all. God bless my friend for casting me in that. But there are infinitely better people to play a <laughs> manservant than some like clear New Jersey East, like like tri-state area. I'm saying water. Like they, there are people who are that. And now I'm just being like, of course you can try both, sir. So, but I'm putting on this affected <laughs> voice so that I show up on set. Ray Liotta's dressed as Colonel Sanders. <laughs> I should play a little bit of the, I should play the audio just to hear 
him it's the it's really bizarre um let's just do it here um so i show up he's colonel sanders he's at the table he's got a desk and a giant furniture bar like bookshelves sky high um he goes um there we go he's laughing Makeup people are having the time. Oh, ho, ho, he's busting chops and he's teasing and they're doing the, they're tweaking his makeup and they're doing the thing. He's laughing, having the best time you ever, like you never saw anybody have a better time than this guy was having. Then I'm waiting. Okay, well, we're going to shoot this and we shoot this. Then we'll shoot the butler. We'll bring the manservant in. Something happened in there. A switch got thrown, like uh, like uh, Boomtown Rats. The silicon chip inside Ray Liotta's head got switched to overload. Yeah. <laughs> he went off. He suddenly was not having fun. He was mad at everything. And that's when I get, it's like, okay, now it's your turn. <laughs> um. Now meeting him, it's like, how are you, uh, Ray? It's nice to meet you. But I'm, he's dressed like Colonel Sanders. It's just the weirdest thing. And he's one day. It's a one-day job. One day. And I, I, through the grapevine, you find out he was getting a million dollars for the one day. Yeah. One million. Just imagine. Here's your pay for today. A million dollars. Today. Ah. Like, you wake up that morning and you can say to yourself, the next time I put my head on that pillow, <laughs> I will have $1 million more than I had when I took my head off of that pillow. It's an insane concept. He's like, yeah. And now he's also, I'm watching, he's starting to flub takes. He's like, because he's doing this accent. He's doing a like foghorn leghorn, basically. It's the most inauthentic southern accent you've ever heard. So he would be like, Georgia hot. I want to get the Georgia hot or the Nashville gold. And he would mess up and see me. Then his regular voice. He would start talking his regular voice, but he's dressed like Colonel Sanders. So he's like, Mother, I, <laughs> I got to get these lines right. And I'm trying to get this. <laughs> And it's the one of the most surreal things. And seen. this is all before lunch as well, isn't it? This is, gotta... Yeah, we're waiting. We're like <laughs> he, the thing blew in his head, and he's now mad. Here now, but of, of course now it's Tom's turn to be in the commercial. Come on in, disinterested in me. So I say, well, I know, I'm friends with Kevin Corrigan, who is played his brother in Goodfellas in the wheelchair, stirring the sauce, stir the gravy. I say, oh, you know, we have a friend in common. Is uh, I'm good friends with Kevin Corrigan. He goes, yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Disinterested. So then we, so I start to sweat now. is coming down my face. And the makeup people have to come over and they're dabbing it. They dab, dab, dab. But now I'm just like terrified of this guy. He's mean. I've seen him be mean in movies. And now he's in front of me dressed like Colonel Sanders, and he's clearly mad at me. So I'm doing the line, and then he just at one point reaches behind this desk, picks up a bag, 
and gets up and leaves. And then there's like about a two-minute stretch where people are like, I think he left. (laughs) Like, Like, he left, left. He didn't just leave the set. He's not back in his trailer. He's in a car. (laughs) Dressed like Colonel Sanders. With his wig. With his wig and the goatee. (laughs) And then this is the finished product. Needless to say, I didn't make the final cut. (laughs) Neither did he. He, Well, here he is. This is what it sounded like. He's... Folks, I'm here to tell you about KFC's honey mustard barbecue, Georgia Gold. No. Oh, and this is the other thing, because he's arguing with himself. He's got the two chickens. So it's like, there was a take he did. Paul Thomas Anderson could not get a performance out of an actor, out of like uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. He still would have fallen short out of the, the acting job he was doing. He was having a psychic break. Arguing with himself. No, it's Georgia Hot. You don't, don't. Like for minutes, he was doing it. It was the one of the most bizarre things. I would I, I would give anything for the raw footage of that. So now he's. That Nashville high. I will wash your mouth out with sweet and tangy chicken. Try it. You go prove it. Georgia go. Nashville high. But the thing Georgia is, go. they were left with half an ad, weren't they? He didn't do the full day's work. He did not. They came up light on the day. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if he maybe he only got $800,000. So I doubt like, it. No, they paid him in full. Yeah, it was probably yeah. in the that bag. Day. Yeah, yeah. It was probably a bag <laughs> filled with cash or other things. Yeah. It was clearly maybe some things that might have put him back oh, in a better mood. Um, no, that was one of the most spectacular days. <laughs> and... Because you told me that story, and all I think about is him getting in his car with his wig and beard on and just <laughs> going wherever he went. And I'd like to think that he kept that on all, all the rest of the day and the rest of the night, like wherever whatever, he ended up. Whatever hotel he was, they were putting him up at, <laughs> yeah. he's walking through the lobby, yeah. dressed like Colonel Sanders, and people are like... He's gone to the bar. He's yeah, he's at the bar. Relax. Like, Give me a double. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just mad now. He's like, give me a bourbon. I could picture him, like, bur- I would picture him knocking back. Like, bourbon would make sense. Yeah, for him. Let me see. Where's are the phones here? Hold on. I want to take a couple calls because people have been on hold. I will wash your mouth out with soap. Um. Yeah, that's his line. Isn't it? Let me find it. Jeepers Creepers. Where is it? No, no. Is this it? Oh, what am I doing? It's in front of a, got a Tom Notch guest here, and I can't find the freaking page. He's really like a buffoon. All right, let's see. Here we go. I'm going to take a couple calls. Let's see. Hello, Besho. To whom am I speaking? Uh, hey, this is Chris from Portland. Chris from Portland. Now, is this the Chris? Whose band we just played yes. tonight? This is Chris. No, no, it's not. Okay, sorry. Oh, Chris from Portland. What can I do for you, Chris? I was calling about the uh, the quitting. Yes, stories. you quit. Tell me, you did you quit or did you get fired? What 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 happened to you? Or, yeah, I, I got fired. I've been fired from most of my jobs. So, okay, but this one was special. What 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 was the job? 
Um, so I was in college and I worked for this thing called the phonathon, which was basically where we would call alumni of the school okay and beg them for money for yes you're trying to get you're trying to get alumni to to kick in <laughs> yeah sure as if the these like, schools don't uh, get enough money from people they're like hey remember yeah, you you yeah. did pay us a lot once any chance you throw us a little more money just for old time's sake so you yeah that you was, you're working the phones mm-hmm. what um, what happens so uh, i so like it, the leadership changed over and then someone new came in and uh, I hit a point where I consciously decided like, I'm going to do whatever I can to make them fire me. Okay. Um, You're going to force their hand. So I, yeah, uh, but it took forever. Like it took weeks uh, to get it to happen. Um, and finally uh, I got called into my boss's office and uh not only was my boss there, but there was like somebody else there for like protection because they were worried I was a, a loose cannon or something. And I was going <laughs> to, oh, uh, what were you doing to walk them to that point? Uh, well, then, then they produced a two page memo and read it to me oh, and it God. listed all the things that I had done that uh-huh. caused them to fire me. Yeah. Like what? Um, I can only remember two of them. So you're sitting there uh, as they go, I, we have a record of everything you've done. That is why we're making this decision. Yeah. Uh, and then they, they read it to me. Um, and the, the only two I remember was one was I called my bat, uh, my boss, uh, a very rude word, not like while they were there. Uh, I was just apparently heard saying it. Uh, during a, a what was a the word work session? What was the word? I think it was, I think it was a B word. Okay, that's not a very nice word. But you no. were overheard saying that, and your boss yeah. was in the um, room now. Yeah, my boss was the one reading it. So, uh, okay. <laughs> but but the one that really stuck out was uh, they said like during such and such uh, a session, you stood up. Uh, jumped around in a circle and said, uh, F, F, am <laughs> censoring myself. Um, sure. What were but, you thinking yeah, when you did that? Were you just like, you're like lashing out? Yeah. I, I just, I hated the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, I was like a freshman in college and I needed money. So I was torn between, you know, uh, I liked getting a paycheck, but I hated showing up. Sure. So you were just, it was, you knew you were never, you knew this was not your career and you had had your oh, fill. Yeah. Now you're just trying to blow the whole thing up. Yeah. And, and it worked. Uh, and so, yeah, they gave me my walking papers and they gave me a copy of the memo. Um, mm-hmm. and then I left. Do you still have the memo? I don't know because oh, here's the other memo. part of it is that, uh, um, you know, I was living at home at the time and mm-hmm. I didn't want to tell my mom that I'd gotten fired. So sure. I just, uh, I just didn't tell her. How and long did so you go? How like, long, were, work? how long did you pretend <laughs> to have a job when you didn't? This is the fascinating uh, part. How long did you keep that I, charade up? 
probably a couple months. Oh, God. A couple months you just were like, oh, <laughs> off to work today. That's bleak. That's yep. like. <laughs> Yeah, and then I would just like go to the student center. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah. You know. <laughs> so you're at the student center. What are you? And you're trying to. You, the other thing is you're not making money anymore. So now you're like you're trying to stretch every cent you have to get through a day to put uh-huh. on to give the impression to your mother that you still have a job. Right. Oh. Uh. So. So yeah, and then eventually she found the memo. Um, uh huh. And I came home. She's like, "What's this?" Uh, and then she, "What's this?" Uh, no, she would have yeah. said, "How was your day at that's, work?" That's and the then way you'd have lied, <laughs> and then the shit would have exactly. hit the fan. Yeah. How was work today, honey? No. It was great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Really. So. Yeah, she didn't even trap me. Like she just like as soon as I was through the door. Uh, she just was like, well, I found this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to, and then I had to explain not only the fact that I was like lying about the fact that I had gotten fired. Um, but, but the contents of the memo, um, I had to explain those too. So, yeah. Oh, Christopher, Christopher, Christopher. Yeah. I- Sopranos. <laughs> right. Well, that's a good one. Okay, Thank- good. I'm thanks. glad. Okay. Thanks buddy. Let me take another call here. People have been waiting. Hello, Best Show. Hello. Hello. Who's uh, to who, who? To whom am I speaking? Rocco. Rocco. Where are you calling from, Rocco? I'm calling from Los Angeles. Where in Los Angeles? I just need to know. I don't want to. Beachwood Canyon. Beachwood. Okay, that's far away. Now I feel like I can make fun of you and not worry about you finding me. You don't feel um, so bad. I don't feel so bad. I think I can elude you. Did you get fired or quit, Rocco? I quit. And what was the job? I was the editor in chief of Vice Media. No. Yes. Really? Where was this? New York? Yeah, I was in Brooklyn at the time. What neighborhood did uh, you live in, Brooklyn? Point. Okay, you answered quickly on that. How long did you have the job? Uh, I started there in 2005, but I was the editor-in-chief from 2011 to uh, 2015. Okay, and why did you quit? Well, I had confronted uh, many people at the company, we'll say, about... Um, <laughs> bad things, including harassment uh, and just ethical violations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the head of HR at the time was actually a woman who previously had been uh, the head of HR for Miramax. For, uh, Harvey okay. Look, I have gotten a text and, from um, somebody listening. They have vouched that they know who you are. So now I feel more comfortable okay. talking to you. So, okay. so you quit because things were getting out of hand. Advice it was a bad yeah, culture, well, like an ugly know, I, culture. For sure, and um, nobody seemed to be paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had tried to resign, uh, just as sort of 
from ed- my editor in chief role mm-hmm. um, had confronted, you know, the person I mentioned before, uh, okay. who used to work for Weinstein, mm-hmm. and uh, they told me, "Oh, well, you know, yeah, you know, in so many words, we'll destroy you, etc." <laughs> and I kind of hung back for a bit. Sure. Um, but then you got out. Or you got. Uh, did you quit in a dramatic way, or did you? I, I did. I, I resigned on live stream at the Institute wow. of Politics uh, at the University of Chicago. So you were online on a, a great. Str- you're on a stream online, and you said, "I quit." <laughs> yes. Well, I was in. I was invited there. Um, I didn't know I had been invited to this conference, which had. Uh, the editors in chief from Gawker and BuzzFeed at the time, mm-hmm. um, and got a call from the university saying, "Hey, we've been trying to get in touch with you for weeks. Uh, Vice says you're sick." And I said, <laughs> "You know wh- what? What does that mean?" And they said, "We were wondering the same thing." Um, and as far as I could surmise, and what they could surmise is, it, it, you know, it could be anything from from cancer to, uh, you name it. Sure, uh, sure. But, but you, you know, no one had. So tell me what the quitting was like. Sorry, what's yeah. the, what's the dramatic moment? Give me the, give me the, the big moment. Well, You're Jerry Maguire. It was pretty moment. glorious to, to go in front of a, you know, um, a bunch of kids at the university of Chicago. Uh, I can't think of a better way of quitting yeah. and, and, and in front of someone who, wrote a um, very good book about journalism ethics, Tom Rosen, mm-hmm. called, who was uh, the moderator, and, you know, just basically say, <laughs> I'm quitting because I don't think there's any ethics in media, and, uh, you know, wow. um, behind the scenes, having told them, hey, guys, I'm going to quit in your, uh, at your conference on live stream, and mm-hmm. the university freaked out a bit, but then supported me. Okay. But yeah, you know. I, that's amazing. Maybe it's not as dramatic as I thought, but <laughs> No, it's pretty dramatic <laughs> to do it, but that's a very public that's a very public uh quitting. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate yeah. you being on hold this long Rocco. Thank you so much. And Thank I hope you. you're doing better now. Thanks. And let's do this one. Hello, Best Show. Hi Tom, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Who's this? Uh this is this is Justin, uh brother of your pal Eric, the painter. Oh yes, Eric, oh, the painter. Yes, yes, Eric White, the very and I talented. To that as well, and to Sean, um, I, I I like everything I've seen by, uh, well, both of them actually. Mm-hmm. Yes, big fans. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Toast to London and uh, Snuffbox, and thank you very much. Oh, I can't hear you at all for some reason. Uh, they, thank oh, you. There you go. There you go. Now, Justin, you. Eric White is a friend of the show and a friend in real life, and he's an amazing painter. He's a lovely guy. He's a great guy. He's got an amazing singing voice. He is a lovely wait till guy. you hear that singing voice on this guy. I'm telling you. But you, you're no slouch yourself, from what I hear. I met, I I had dinner with your mommy. Did you know that? I did know that. I, it was very exciting. For I had dinner that. with your mommy, and she was very proud of her two sons. <laughs> you always has been. It's yes. Great. 
So do you have a quitting story? Do you have a fire, got fired story? Well, I, when I was thinking about it, I realized I have, a, you know, probably several of each, but right. Give me I the came best. up with one good quitting story. Give me the best quitting story, Justin. I, okay, I think this is the best, but um, I, uh, when I was a younger man, um, I drove a cab for a, a summer, the summer after I dropped out of college. Okay. And um, I would, there were long, I worked six days a week, 12 hours a day, 12, 12 hour shift. Jeez. And um, I also had to drive from my hometown to where the cab company was located, mm-hmm. which was like another 45 minutes each way. And um, I had asked, I'd been working only for a couple of months, but I thought I had done a pretty good job and I was there when I was supposed to be and did, you know, did everything I thought he should. And then I asked for one day off and it, I think it happened to be the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And I asked for the day off because my friend was having a party out at this amazing house in the like rural Michigan, which had been owned by Henry Ford at some point. And there was a water mill and all this land around it. And so this was, you was wanted to see, you wanted to see it. this, you wanted to, this is why you wanted to well, spend your independence day. That, well, not only that, but every single one of my friends from high school was going to be there. Sure. And, sure. Um, it was, you know, it, it promised to be a pretty fun time and not something I wanted to be the only one to miss out on. So you go um, to your boss. So I asked, yeah, well, I actually call, I just like over the radio, um, I use the, you know, the one way. So only the dispatcher hears you. Yeah. Um, Cause they did, they really didn't, there's a family run business and they were kind of corrupt. They would give all the best runs to each other. Like the, all the dispatchers were sure. favoring. They were the looking out for each other. Kind of give else. <laughs> the the yeah, fix, sure. the fix was um, in on who the, got the best. Uh, the fix was in, and everybody kind of knew it, but there was nothing you could do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I asked, you know, I asked for the day off, they said, no, just outright. No. Okay. Um, and I said, uh, okay. I, I mean, I think I tried to ask, and they're like, no, you can't. You, you got to work here longer than that to have a day off. <laughs> I said, okay. Um, so then I was scheduled to work on the 3rd of July. Uh-huh. I would. I showed up at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. and planned to work until 6 p.m. Yeah. And um, as it got closer to 6 p.m., I, I got on the radio and called the dispatcher and asked if I could keep the car out a bit longer. And uh, they were sort of shocked and like, uh, okay, I guess so. And um, so I said, would it be cool if I just do another shift? And uh, they said, so you want to have it another 12 hours? And I, I said, yeah, that's cool. And so I, so I did. Uh, and I went, well, by that point, I already decided I was quitting. Sure. They weren't going to give me the day off. And there's no way I wasn't going to. So you would, and, and you would just pulled a, um, you would just pulled a 12 hour shift. Yeah. And uh, they, and, and I had been picking up, and they said, and then you're like, oh, I'm gonna, can I do a second 12-hour shift? <laughs> That's like the most irresponsible thing. They were, they were an irresponsible uh, crew. Yeah, they didn't really care. They just liked the idea that the car would be out for another 12 hours making money. Sure. Um, so I think they doubted me. They doubted whether I'd be able to. And I said, mm-hmm. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, went, I, I went and picked up a friend, <laughs> and we went to – a truck stop of which there were a few on the edge of town mm-hmm. and got some what we called trucker speed uh, sure. and then i that's uh-huh. how i knew i could do it i got through another 
12-hour shift. With, <laughs> now, what are those, greenies? Are those called greenies? Is that trucker speed? <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah, I don't, these ones are white. I think they were called ephedrine. I think that was the, okay. you know, clinical so, name. So you go, but, you pick you up some trucker speed. A, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I ate a handful of them. And then, you know, my friend and I just drove around picking up fares for hours and hours and we, you know, having a blast and he wanted to get some beers and, <laughs> you know, it, it wound up being a pretty fun second shift. Yeah. This is insane. And then I wound up, <laughs> it was pretty stupid. I have to admit, uh, well, wait till you hear what happened after if you, if you allow me. Oh, um, I'm ready. But, uh, okay, cool. So, uh, I, I think I wound up keeping it actually another six hours. Like I was really worried about having to face the people at the shop when I returned the car mm-hmm. because I knew I was going to just walk out. Yeah. Um, so I think I kept it right up until the time I was planning to just head to my friend's house in the country. And, um, I just, I just simply, since I had my car there in the lot, I just drove up right next to it in the cab, got out that door, got in the other door and and drove away. And I never, ever called. I never checked in. I never answered the phone again. Oh my God. Um, uh, Thing, and now I sound like kind of an a-hole, but um, no. I, Look, this is you're working for. justified. You're working for rats. These are rats you were working for. <laughs> they didn't care about you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody right. who That's would exactly say right. to you, "Hey, are you sure you uh, your health about your health doing another <laughs> shift, eighteen <laughs> hours behind the wheel?" No, that's yeah, amazing. I don't think it ever crossed their mind. Um, and maybe because the uh, health was not a big, a major focus at that company, the, the main dispatcher went by the name Pancakes, and um, he would call drivers and, and insist that they pick him up things like Egg McMuffins or, you know, Frosty or something and bring it back to him at the shop. And then if you didn't, you were kind of on his, you know, on his list. list. So you would get a call, <laughs> you'd get a, on the, the, the dispatch would go like, Justin, this is pancakes. Go get me two egg McMuffins. Yep. That's what was happening. Any time of day. Yeah. Yeah. It was it's like pancakes. Uh, he, I'm he hungry. Of, <laughs> he was keeping track of where everyone was. So yeah. if, if you were coming by the shop anywhere yeah. close, he would, he yeah. would make sure you, you know, hit one of the. Sure. You're you passing know, it. I know where you are. <laughs> this is pancakes. You know, you're near an Arby's. Yeah. <laughs> I want a big beef and cheese exactly. and some horsey sauce. That's, that's exactly have been right. To, have you been Arby's, to Arby's? Order in there. Yeah. What did yeah, you get at America's Arby's? America's roast beef, yes, sir. Yeah, I like it. You like Arby's, man? Yeah, yeah. So, Justin, you did. That's a that's yes. a pretty exciting story, and that's a pretty dramatic Thank way you. of. And um, are you still in touch with pancakes? Is this somebody you still? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Might have to reach out to him. I'd be slightly surprised if he's still alive. Actually, this was thirty years ago, and um, you know, he wasn't in great shape then. I would have assumed um, somebody named Pancakes might not be living the healthiest <laughs> life. <laughs> when that's your nickname, yeah, for all Pancakes. We know, <laughs> for all we know, he named himself. You know, that does feel like one of those nicknames somebody gives them. So, like. Everybody calls me pancakes, and then you realize nobody ever they want yeah. that to be their nickname. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Justin, yeah. that's an amazing story. I appreciate the call, and uh, I will talk to you soon. 
Thanks so much. Good night, everybody. See ya. All right. Well, final call, and then we'll wrap it up. Hello, hello, yeah. best show. Hello. Final call, and then we'll. That's me. Wrap it up. Hello, hello, best show. Hello. Final call, and then we'll. Okay. Me. Here we go. Hello, hello, best show. Hello. Final call. Loop going. Wrap it up. Hello, hello, best show. Final call. Loop going. Hello, hello, best show. Hello. Final loop going. Final call. Final call. Final I think we should just end the show and let this be the end. Cyrus should end. Yeah, let's let's let this play. Steve Wright. Yeah, this is Steve Wright. Steve wrong. Let's let's let this play. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Um. So Matt, so you're uh, what? What's what's the next music we're gonna get from you? Um, yeah, I'm doing something. I'm. I hope to do something to continue doing something when I go back. So, an album this year. Okay, is the plan. Okay, and is there any? Yeah, you look. You can say I'm keeping on close to the chest, close to the vest. Is there anything? Because did he start with like a? It's like well, it'll be the most something... experimental thing. Cause okay, I, and it will be more electronic, I think. Oh, that'd be fantastic! I've got two art two six hundreds that are, that I managed to get to talk to each other. Okay, so I'll just let them do that, and I'll walk away. Yeah, just like we had on that call. Yeah, exactly. Maybe put that on the album. I will do. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I just want to say you're one of my favorite people, and it's so fun Bless for you. you to come hang out. And Well, you're one of my favorites. Well, it's always a good time. And, um, oh, wait, I needed to tell people that on March 19th, Sunday, March 19th is when over on the Patreon, the episode, the the SNWQ&A, that's me and John Worcester talking. The first episode of that goes up on the Patreon on March 19th, and that's patreon.com slash the best show. And that's how you can, uh, that's the only place you're going to get to hear that. And um, then, oh, Mike, Pat, any final words? Um, that's, that's this Sunday that it'll drop. It's next, next Sunday. Next Sunday, excuse me. Next Sunday, the 19th. And, um, yeah, everyone should just, uh, keep supporting the show. Um, follow us on social media at best show for life. Mm -hmm. Look at the, thank you, Pat. Mike. Um, follow us on social media. We got anything, Mike? You there? Mike. No final words, Tom. No final words. That's I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed your show. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. And you know, no final words, Tom. you know, I do it for you. I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed your show. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. And you know, I do it for you. I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed your show. Thank you,
enjoyed the show. I enjoyed the show. All right. Thank We're getting you, another Mike. loop I going here. I need to. Know. No final words, Tom. <laughs> I enjoyed the show. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> the idea that now we have Matt. Matt Berry just did an AP Mike impression. I might never do the show again. That might be, I don't know if we can top that. No, but thank you, Matt, for coming in. No, thank you. Sean, thanks for everything. It's so great to thanks finally be face to face. And yeah, I guess I can just say goodbye. And I'm just going to end it like that. Now it's over. Show's <laughs> over. We'll be back next week. The Best Show is produced in partnership with the Forever Dog Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Tom Sharpling and features John Worcester, Michael Lisk, Jason Gore, and Pat Byrne. The show is produced and written by Jason Gore, Pat Byrne, Michael Lisk, Brett Davis, John Worcester, and Tom Sharpling. The Best Show is executive produced by Tom Sharpling, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Co-executive produced by Jason Gore and Pat Burns. Segment producer, Michael Lisk. The show is engineered and mastered by Andrew Gleason and Wesley Knapp. Graphic design, video editing, and social media by Brett Davis. Website and technical support by Martine Sellis. And the show is recorded at Forever Dog Studios in Los Angeles. Support The Best Show on Patreon over at patreon.com slash thebestshow. And follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Best Show for Life. That's Best Show number four, Life. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.